are listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Oh, mon capitaine. I backtrack the repair. Comfort you with the option and choice of admirable combat. Or the option do. I'm not in the mood to play footsies today, Batrock. What's option two? Oh, option do is you join me and listen to the podcast. That is made for the hands by Zipper. Podcast? Podcast? You think this A on my forehead stands for fan holes, mister? Sacre bleu! Zuto los! Oh, oh, oh. I will support my French. That rock must away! To another day! Leap! Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting star-spangled episode of Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and joining me tonight are two, count them, two of my patriotic fellow Fanholes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Stars and Stripes, it's Mike. This is Supreme Radiant Friend, Justin. Dude, you better be careful. I'm going to start, uh, you know, like admiring you from afar, and then Namor is going to start asking me why I keep going to uh, Japan all the time. So, <laughs> anyway, so uh, in case you haven't figured it out, this episode of Fan Holes was suggested by our good buddy Justin. He was thinking, since it is the 75th anniversary of Captain America, that it might be fun to kind of go through those Captain America comic stories throughout the years and kind of talk about some of the things that are favorites. Of course, you know, that kind of leads to us maybe talking about things that are not so favorite and honorable mentions and all that kind of fun and good stuff. So we're definitely moving forward and doing that. And then on the back half of this show, something that we had long wanted to discuss with Justin was the series All New Invaders from the Marvel Now line. And we figured what better time to do this than on this particular episode where we're going to deal with Captain America in detail. So, what made you so special? Nothing. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. So I guess, you know, obviously we'll, we'll just probably get right into it. I know I can speak for myself as far as favorite Captain America stories go. 
I'm pretty well versed in in Captain America. I've done a pretty lengthy read of most of his comics, and I did back when the first Avenger came out into theaters. I made sure I had a top ten list up on the History of Comics on Film blog spot. So there is that if anybody's kind of interested in what my top 10 favorites were back when that movie came out. I think they pretty much stand. I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm going to wildly change. I may throw in some extra honorable mentions and stuff like that, but those are pretty consistent for myself. Um, but I'm kind of curious. I know, you know, Mike's been doing a lot of reading with Captain America stuff lately. And of course, Justin was eager to discuss this. So I, I figure I kind of want to open it up to other people besides myself and just kind of ask them like, hey, dudes, like what what are your favorite Captain America stories? Like what what was what did you feel like discussing tonight with all of us? I guess my favorite one would be um, the Winter Soldier, you know, the first uh, story from uh, Ed Brubaker. And I remember hearing about this story and thinking, this is going to be the worst thing ever. Like, you know, the rule of thumb is you don't bring back Bucky. Like, you know, Bucky and Jason Todd and Uncle Ben, like, they stay dead. And then within, like, a year, like, who comes back? Bucky and Jason Todd. So, like, the rules are just completely out of the window. Like, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria, nothing makes sense. Um <laughs> But I picked I picked it up and I was like you know this is actually this is really good like it doesn't make me grumpy like I'm kind of glad Bucky's back and then you know he went on to be Captain America for a couple of years and like that's that's one of my favorite runs of Cap's uh, stories altogether is when Bucky is Cap especially like when he's in the Gulag fighting all those guys like I like that but like specifically just that first story where you know Cap's out and he encounters. You know, the Winter Soldier, like this legendary, mysterious shadow figure that we're just now learning about. And he sees him and he's like, Bucky? And he's like, he has that famous line that they put in the movie. He's like, who the hell is Bucky? <laughs> and then, you know, they go through all that. And then I'll, I always like the part at the end where he has the cosmic cube and Cap's like, remember who you are? And throws it to him. And his mind is like barraged with all these memories and everything. And he, he remembers who he is. Like, that would be my favorite. I think I've talked about this before. I, I remember talking about, you know, my love for the Rubecker run. But another thing, I really like the initial, like, Stan Lee run of the book. Like, when it when it became Captain America, you know, it started with Captain America 100, like, continuing from Tales of Suspense. Like, I really like that run. Um, like, the stuff with the sleepers up through, like, when uh, Falcon is introduced... Like, I really like all those stories, especially when Sam uh, is introduced as Falcon. Like, there's a lot of, like, stuff I liked. Yeah, I like, I mean, I, I remember enjoying the hell out of, like, the, the Tales of Suspense stuff. But even, like you're saying, once it rolled over into the actual Captain America title and everything. I know, I, I think Mike was talking about this with me before we started the show. But, like, one of those things that always stood out to me was when it was you know, not only like Stanley and Jack Kirby, but when Sterenko got into the picture for those couple issues and, you know, you, or, you know, you had like Gene Cullen and those guys like working with Stanley. And that was always the era where, you know, of course there's constant mockery going on, but they, they were pretty powerful, emotional moments where he's, he, you know, he was always feeling guilty over Bucky. So I always remember, you know, all these scenes about, you know, Bucky being on top of the gravestone and yeah. kind of blaming cap and those being, 
being these very sort of iconic and and very you know things that were sort of burned into my memory where i was like always thinking of of bucky and 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 cap and and how you know obviously even though the character wasn't alive and we knew those rules you know we you know as as comic fans of a certain age will tell you you know there was that one constant it's like only bucky stays dead and that was you know jokingly said because anytime someone died in comics invariably you know whether it was a few weeks a few months a few years you know me and mike were arguing over you know how long craven the hunter stayed dead versus how long red skull stayed dead but you know invariably they will ultimately come back to life and plague the hero again or the hero who dies you know whether it's aquaman in our worlds at war or whatever they'll ultimately come back and like now the rules are all you know like you said ass backwards where it's like only maxima stays dead and i cry myself to sleep at night because she's like a hot <laughs> redhead or whatever but like you know but but you you knew that that bucky you know was the one who was supposed to be you know stay dead and all that kind of stuff and and yeah the winter soldier obviously threw that into upheaval but but like you said it was i mean obviously it was popular enough to be adapted into a movie and that's not the only credit i'd want to give it but i think i think brew baker and uh it was what steve epting correct that did that initial yeah. story and everything and like that was obviously a very engaging and entertaining story and i think you know people tend to follow ed brubaker's work through other stuff you know like i know previously on the show you know you brought like velvet to the table and it has that same kind of feel you know the whole you know if you're into spy stuff and intrigue and and all that kind of stuff i think brubaker is your guy for all that kind of stuff so i mean i can understand the, to, to me, I think when I wrote my top 10 list over at History of Comics on Film, I think at that point in my mind, I'm like, that stuff's too new, too new, too new to be considered. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of my attitude about certain things like that sometimes. But I mean, I, I certainly think and, and I did kind of write this in my notes of, you know, just reminding myself what some of my either favorite stories or favorite runs of creators and things like that. And I, I certainly think. You know, Brew Baker and, you know, I, I know Steve Epting was his artist in, on some of them. And then some of the stuff you mentioned with like Bucky and the Gulag and all that kind of stuff. You know, you had like like Jackson Geis and, and, and a bunch of different artists that he worked with, you know. But I think that you can certainly put Brew Baker and whoever his, his artist was at the time, those kind of runs right along with, you know, Stanley and Jack Kirby and Roger Stern and John Byrne and Mateus and Mike Zeck and, you know, all the Grunewald era stuff, you know, especially with stuff like Ron Lim and Kieran Dwyer and, you know, uh, you know, Mark Wade, Ron Garney. Like, basically, those are the guys I think of when you tell me, you know, what, what kind of cap stories should somebody be checking out? And those are the names I think of and and the kind of runs that I immediately think of. And, and for me, it was always just hard to settle on like just one story. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think what you're telling us is if you had to settle it all on just one Brubaker story, it would be the Winter Soldier. Yeah. I mean, I like that entire run up till Capri Born. I think Capri Born and then the later, you know, what comes after that, I think he kind of, I don't know, they're not as good. Like I remember reading this, I'm kind of like, this is, this is not very good. It kind of reminded me of like, 
you know, when the Grunewald era was ending and it became like Cap Wolf and then he had the armor. I'm like, this is kind of not. It, it, it does feel like it, it does feel like sometimes people I, I don't want to say this in a negative way because I, I like all the writers, generally speaking, but it, it does have that feeling like sometimes people overstay their welcome or like or like you can't go home again because it seems like there's always that mid interruption like for me what it really reminded me of is you know i i really really enjoy the first mark wade ron garney run that happened after all the grunwald stuff and i think those are great comics you know and and one of my number one favorites is like the operation rebirth like that first like four issue arc where they you know they basically corrected all the horrible wrongs of how sharon carter got like killed off camera on a fucking video camera or whatever horrible shit they did to her you know all this stuff that just made me cringe and kind of you know think about women in refrigerators and all this other kind of crap but when Mark Wade brought her back and she was kind of like the scully to his molder in terms of patriotism in America and all that kind of stuff. And they, they had the red skull and it, you know, it just seemed like good classic Captain America stories. And, you know, they continued on to work on that. And then of course it was interrupted by uh, heroes reborn, which was like the Rob Liefeld crap. And then when they came back to do it again for Heroes Return, it was almost like that whole, you know, you can't go home again thing where it's like they had some really good issues to start with. But it seems like kind of like what you're saying with either Brubaker, you know, like that's kind of how I felt about that Brubaker run myself is like, I think I was a little more positive to it because I'm like, yeah, new Cap series. Yeah, Captain America. And I, I think I was mainly happy, you know, not, not that I had any problem with Bucky taking over as Captain America, but I was certainly happy to see Steve Rogers back in the costume and doing the Captain America thing again, because, you know, it's like Steve Rogers Super Soldier was fine, but it's like that's only... I don't know. For me, it's like I can only handle that kind of stuff so long before I start to like lose it and kind of go, all right, can we can we please have him be Captain America again? Like enough of this. Like, can we do, you know, get back to like, you know, Steve Rogers is Captain America. And so I think I was just looking forward to having that dynamic back again. But I, I certainly won't argue with you, especially by the time there were like co-writer credits with like Colin Bunn. And, and I sort of blame that on him. So and we, we know we've discussed this on the podcast multiple <laughs> times, but it was like one of those things where I was like, why do I fucking hate this so much? And then I noticed the co co-writer credit. I'm all, it's you, you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, so that's, that's what I figured out or whatever. But, but I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying about the, the, you know, the, the way certain runs can peter out, even though they're like great and fabulous creators, like sometimes it can get to the point where you're like, dude, like obviously like my one of my number one favorite stories from Mark Grunewald is the whole basically I, I couldn't settle on just one story. But, you know, that whole Captain America no more storyline where basically he he runs off and he becomes the captain and you had john walker as captain america and you know it, it's basically i mean it ran for almost a year and a half in the captain america titles i mean it was like from the 330s all the way to 350 so i mean it, it ran for you know a, a year or two almost so and for me i couldn't just settle on one like that is probably the the comics that I was reading as a kid on like the seven 11 stands and I just, you know, I, I, you know, those for me are sort of like blinded by nostalgia. Like if anybody sees any shortcomings in them or, or what have you, but I mean, I just thought those were like the greatest 
comics. So for me, those are always going to be my favorites and everything. But I, I, I understand what you're saying that, you know, after that point, even after that point, I mean, I would still point to some of those runs because Mark Grunewald wrote the book for like almost like 11 years or something. So it's like he continued to write it after that story arc was finished. And then you had like awesome pencilers like Ron Lim come in and do like a good number of, uh, you know, Captain America issues and everything like that. And those were things that I was reading at the time and I thought were really cool. So like you, you had a good number of issues where you're like, dude, Acts of Vengeance and Streets of Poison and all these like fun stories and everything that they did but i i understand what you're saying by the time you sort of broke operation galactic storm you know by the time you got past issue 400 it was kind of like okay here we go he's teaming up with nomad he's teaming up with you know wolverine and he's a werewolf and you know you're like okay and you know i i think at that point that was when i sort of started to to tune out of captain america and towards the tail end like it was like really bad where it was like jack flag and vagabond and 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 you know you had uh you know the uh the, you know basically like the, the super soldier serum's killing him and he's in a suit of armor and you know those kind of things so i i completely understand what you're saying as far as you know the runs kind of you know petering out for certain great creative teams and everything uh, I have a question for you really quick like yeah. i know you've extensively read cap i know you like cap a lot like who would your favorite? Who is your favorite girlfriend for Cap? Like, who would you pick? I I I have serious emotional problems and baggage. I always pick the femme fatale, even though they're wrong for Captain America. Like, I it, it, my thing is, I love Maxima, so Diamondback is like my Cap girl. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like, I love. Kind of afraid you'd pick her. Yeah, I, I love Earth Two Batman. You know, ending up with Earth Two Catwoman. You know, I, you know, just eh, anybody who's completely probably wrong for the character, but is like super duper hot. Like that's that's usually what I go for. Like I'm I'm emotionally stunted like that. So that's <laughs> that's kind of like that's kind of like how I usually go for it. So I mean, and and that's part of those things where it's like it's hard for me to pick like just one like Diamondback story or just one story where, you know, Ron Lim was doing it with, with Captain, uh, you know, like drawing penciling Captain America and, you know, Diamondback was usually involved or like, you know, obviously like Crossbones, like is like one of the, you know, it's funny. Like I, I know I get a lot of flack sometimes cause I'm always ragging on the nineties and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I have to say of some of the extreme ors, like super cool, like bad guys that came along from, you know, what I would say is ostensibly the 90s. I'd have to say like Crossbones is one of those guys who I unequivocally accept and think is super cool, regardless of any yeah, prejudices yeah, I, was, I have for the 90s. I was, I was going to say, yeah, like he seems like, I don't know, like with guys like Bane and like Carnage and Doomsday, like uh, there there is a small part of me that's like, oh, like they're like the 90s villains, like the extreme. But for some reason, like I don't think that way with Crossbones. Yeah, he seems to, I, I, I don't know what it is. He gets like a get out of jail free card or something with the 90s because he's just, he looks cool. He's, he's, he's got that weird misplaced sense of loyalty towards the Red Skull and like, I, I, 
I, I just I've always thought the guy was like really like just a cool looking villain, too. So you could you know, it's like one of those things where you're like, yeah, the Nazis are evil as hell, but they dress cool. And Crossbones is kind of like the same way where you're like, dude's got a skull on his face. I mean, it probably has something to do with the idea that, you know, maybe maybe the Punisher was popular at the time and, and that kind of stuff. Like, I can't really speculate on his his creation or whatever. But I, I know that when I was thinking of like my favorite Captain America stories, like for some, I, I think the way I usually think of composing lists is I, I like my lists to have different takes from different errors and that they're genuinely comics that I enjoyed reading. So a lot of times I'll get into a, a situation where i'll sit there and go do i really want to put like you know five john byrne stories on the same top 10 list and usually my answer is no unless it's like just they're just so awesome i can't help it but most times it's like look i'll put one from the roger stern john byrne run i'll put one from the mark wade ron garney run you know but sometimes the way i look at it is i'm like who are like my favorite characters and obviously like besides like crossbones which he made his way into the top 10 list the number of times just on the strength of that I think he's a cool, fun character. But, you know, like, I, I have to mention, like, obviously, like, Madcap is is one of my, you know, sort of favorite little-known bad guys. And, I mean, he got his start in the Grunewald Captain America books. So, I mean, it's like, I, I don't know that I would necessarily put that on a top ten list of, like, my favorite stories ever. But, I mean, I'd certainly consider it, like, an honorable mention or pay tribute to it because I love I love Madcap so much. Are there any like villains or any like storylines that you'd point to in terms of that sort of mindset, like that you have like favorite creators other than like Brubaker, like any any kind of villains besides Crossbones that Captain America has that either stands out to you or you're always sort of happy to see when they show up in his his different arcs and everything? You know what? Like when I was reading those uh, Stanley issues, um, something like occurred to me like. I've always liked Nick Fury and Shield. You know, I know some people who are like, ah, oh, grown like Nick Fury and Shield are here, like bore. I know Mike doesn't care for some of that spy stuff, really. But um, reading that Stanley run, um, I was like, man, like Nick Fury is kind of a jerk. Like he's keeping all these secrets from uh, Captain America, like especially con- concerning Sharon. Like he won't tell her like where she is, like if she's alive, if she's dead, and he's always hassling him. He's like, you know, Cap, you should really join Shield and like do this, and he's always conning him in the missions. And I was like, man, if I was if I was Steve, like I would punch this guy in the face. Like I don't care, <laughs> I don't care if he's a, a vet or a, the head of this secret organization. Like I, I'm tired of his crap. And then one issue they did get into a fist fight. I was like, I'm, like I was so happy about it. Like finally. He's gonna put Nick Fury in his place, and they it was and it was over sharing like they got into a fist fight because like Steve hadn't heard from her in a while and was was concerned and he was like I think she's dead, and he went to Nick and Nick's like well I can't tell you you know it's Shield stuff he's like you're gonna tell me Mister they got into a fist fight you know and Sharon turns up at the end she's like boys I'm alive it's okay you know he's like Cap she's fine look there she is and it's just like dumb dumb with like a Sharon wig on and she's like Cap, I'm right here, Captain Miboyo. I'm all fine. So, so is it is it safe to assume, based on your mentions, that that maybe Sharon Carter is your favorite Cap girlfriend, or or is there another girl that you like seeing Cap with, Justin? 
I mean, I, I'm like you. I like Diamondback. I kind of do go towards the wrong choices, you know, even in real life myself. But um, I've never really been that crazy about Sharon. Like, um, you know, when uh, Rick Remainder started his run, you know, the whole Dimension C or whatever, and, you know, she supposedly died. I was like, well, that's sad. But it's really, I only felt it was sad because they were, they had just been talking about, you know, maybe possibly starting a, a, a life together. And I was like, well, that's sad. But I was like, man, it's Sharon Carter. Like, you know what's weird about she's that? Came back, she's came back from worse. <laughs> you know what's weird about that is that I, I feel like Sharon Carter is kind of Captain America's Gwen Stacy. And, and you know, just in terms of it's like, oh, Peter and Gwen were probably going to eventually talk about getting hitched. And, and Sharon and Cap were always talking about getting hitched. And like that first time when they killed her, I just thought it was like, oh, that's so lame. It's like they, they just can't figure out a way to sort of not have them get married. So they just kind of killed her off like on on tape. Like, I, I just thought that was such an ignominious way to send her out. Like, that's why I thought the fact that Mark Wade like, brought her back and it was all just a load of hooey, you know, I was like, oh, thank God. Because, like, it, I did, really, it really, well, really is. During my read-through of, like, like I started reading some Cap stuff, like, this week because I, I, I realized in preparation for the show I hadn't read a whole lot of, like, strictly Captain America comics. And I, I did read that, like, Mark Wade, like, Operation Rebirth, like, four-parter. And I do like, like, yeah, he's like, uh, he goes to her, but Sharon, but I saw you die. And she's like all derisive and stuff. She's like, yeah, on videotape. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it's so, it's so horrible. They like spontaneously combust her. And I just, I just thought, number one, if that was supposed to be real again, it's horrible, right? Like it's a, it's a horrible, horrible way to die if it was supposed to be real. And at the time it was supposed to be real. You know, and I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, that's how you take out, like, one of his, like, oldest, like, love interests or whatever, just because you don't want them to get hitched? I'm like, isn't that, isn't that a little fucking extreme? You know, like, I was, like, freaking out about it and everything. And, um, but, but yeah, like, obviously, like, the, the sort of derisive moment where she's like, come on, please. Like, you didn't see me die. Somebody just handed you a fucking videotape, you know? And I was like, oh. What she, what she, what she has to understand is, like, VHSs are, like, you know, future technology to cap so he he was like beyond all doubt he was like you know this has to be the truth you know it was like it was like if they like played him a radio show or something where it's like and then sharon carter died like he'd accept that as fact awesome awesome so so mike why don't you go into like some of the stuff that you were you you were you you were saying like you looked at like maybe the cdr list to give yourself some ideas and some directions to go in as far as your your reading for this episode like doing your homework like were were there certain things besides the mark wade run that you were eager to check out or do you want to talk about that run in detail a little bit more well, basically, like when in prep for when we decided to do this show, like I thought about it and I realized I could count the number of like strictly Captain America stories like that I'd read on one hand. And like I had read Winter Soldier because it's like, you know, obviously so famous or infamous by this point. And uh, I had read, you know, obviously because we did a show on it, you know, the Stranded in Dimension Z, you know, the by Rick Remender. And then um, I had read the No Escape arc when Bucky was Cap because it's a Zemo story. And, I, you know, I love Baron Zemo. 
So, you know, and then I was like, I think that's it, man. Like, for just stories that are just Captain America. And one of them's, like, even just a Bucky Cap story. So it's like, man, I haven't read a whole lot of, like, anything, like, aside from any appearances in Avengers he would make. So, you know, I kind of, yeah, CBR did, like, this, I think it was, like, 75 greatest Cap stories list. And I was like, well, I'll use this as, like, a guide to see what I should read. And I, I kind of like, you know, I, I stayed to the like the top 20 stories and I kind of looked for, you know, either iconic stuff or, you know, like creators names that I liked. So, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, going in order, I guess, like I read some like Kirby and like Stan Lee and like Steranko stuff. Like I read, you know, those two issues that or three issues that Steranko did, I think it is uh when, you know, Cap, like, fakes his death, or, I, I, I don't know so much he fakes his death, he, like, he try I love how it's, like, he jumps off a building, and there's, like, hundreds of, like, Hydra guys shooting at them, and they're, like, oh, we saw him get shot, and then, like, the police pull Cap's empty uniform out of the water, and they, like, call Tony Stark, and they're, like, we found Cap's, like, empty uniform, like, riddled with bullet holes, and Tony's, like, this confirms that Cap is dead beyond all hope, like, <laughs> And I, I was like, man, I guess like back in the, the 60s or the 70s, like everyone pulled an Obi-Wan when they died. Like they just disappeared and left their clothes behind or something. But yeah, and then, you know, obviously he isn't dead and like he comes back and he saves everyone. And he it turns out he like inflated a balloon and like threw it off the building with his costume in it or I don't know, whatever goofy shit it was. But, you know, it was it was pretty beautiful art. So, I mean, I really appreciated that. And um. Uh, well, let's see, what else did I read? Um, I read, yeah, like, I read about 10 issues of J.M. Diamateus's run, because, you know, I love J.M. Diamateus's work on Spider-Man, and, you know, I figured, you know, since I'm a Baron Zemo fan, like, I knew he had heavily used that character in his run, so I figured he might show up, and, you know, he did. I only read, like, I think, like, issues, like, 290 through 300, which was basically almost, like, the end of his run, I think. Yeah, like, yeah it was. Like, that. I mean, the death of the Red Skull is pretty much wrapped yeah, up. Yeah, so, like, you know, I really enjoyed that stuff. Like, it's kind of, you know, he... The Red Skull, like, has, you know, his daughter, you know, Mother Superior or Sin or whoever you want want to call her. And, like, Zemo sort of competing to be his, like, heir almost. Yeah. And he kidnaps Cap and Falcon and Nomad and, like, Bernie and, like, uh, Arnold. Arnold. Yeah. Arnold and, like, I, yeah. I always I, I always love all that stuff because I see, like, like the, the those kind of stories, like, I, I really appreciated because he had all those characters there. And then, of course, you know, they, they sort of tell, like, all these backstories about how the Red Skull came to be and, you know, what a nasty son of a bitch he is and all this kind of good stuff. Like, it, it's just the, those kind of stories are always fun to me. And I kind of crack up the way he just refers to all the captives and everything everything like you know that that was something i wrote in my blog that i just love where he calls he calls arnold the fop and he calls like uh you know uh the i i know he called uh bernie like the jewess you know, <laughs> yeah like that. so it's like it's like basically he's just derogatory towards all of the yeah well like i i, I like stuff. this like he it's kind of like since he knows he's like in his final days like the red skull is like all nostalgic and shit so he's like you know captain like here capitan like sit with me like let's talk and stuff and then like you know they have like a sort of discussion like when the red skull's like telling him his origin story and like then at some point like the red skull gets like so frustrated and he's like you know you are my 
most worthy foe. Like you, you're awesome, man. Like, and yet you surround yourself by with like inferiors. Like, yeah, he's like Jews, like fops, like Negroes. Like, it's like you sur- like I can't stand it. Like you surround yourself with all these people, and then he like he kind of like turns on a dime, and he was like, but I didn't come here to like you know make fun of your like choices or whatever. You know, I, I this is a talk between two old friends and stuff, and you know, and then he like goes on to like tell cap his like uh his origin story and then like it's it's funny because he's like he tells him all these horrible things and cap's like got this look on his face and he was like he was like you disgust me like all i see is like pity and compassion from you like you know like and i don't know it, it was just a really good like uh, exploration of the two characters and like i'd like to say like I always knew that, like, the Red Skull was Captain America's, like, you know, number one bad guy, and it was, like, always a given with me, but since I had never read a lot of Red Skull issues, like, I, I never really got into, like, like their heads, basically, in so insofar as, like, you know, I understand Magneto and Xavier's, like, relationship, and, like, you know, like, Spider-Man and the Green Goblins, but I didn't, I never really, like, understood, like, Cap and the Red Skulls until I read this, which, mm-hmm. so I thought that was, like, pretty yeah. pretty expansive and neat yeah, they really and, uh, they, he really did a great job at, at defining their their rivalry and their their antagonism between one yeah. another and there's only one man who can fight the red skull captain america he, he does a good job with that i mean i know you know because we're we're longtime spider-man fans we always talk about you know harry and peter and and all that kind of stuff but i mean it's it's really up there with the best of any of those Kind yeah, of stories and have to like offer. I, I told you, I was like on the lookout. I was like, I, I know, like he must have used them earlier, but I was like on the lookout for Vermin, the Man Rat, because I'm like, JMD Mateus has got to insert Vermin into everything, basically. Yeah, yeah. So well, it, I was like, yeah, you, 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 I guess you, you went a little too far for that kind of stuff. Like some of the, some of the earlier Mike Zek stuff, whether it had like Deathlock or Nick Fury and and. Baron Von Strucker, and then of course some of the earlier Zemo stories that that Zek did, you know, basically where he was first transitioning from being like the Phoenix into uh, into Baron Zemo two or whatever, you know, like that. Those stories all. I, think, I was, yeah, like I I was gonna bring him up next because like I I like my first I guess my earliest chronological reading of Baron like Helmet Zemo at least is like in Under Siege mm. like Avengers and in that he's like you know someone says like didn't you die like didn't Mother Superior like do a psychic attack on you and like burn your brain out and then like he just explains in like a one panel like Jim Shooter explanation where he's like yes you know she she did but my headband like blunted the attack so I woke up like no one bothered to like take my body away or anything so and then I ran away or whatever but like now I, I saw that happen now so now I'm like oh, okay so that's where that yeah. Like leads in that's so neat. yeah that, but, that that's always neat to find those things I, I i enjoyed like i enjoyed his characterization in that arc too because he's kind of like he's trying to be like sort of like the heir to the like you know his father and the red skull and stuff but he like the hints of like him being sort of deeper than that like just being an evil nazi guy or like already like pl- the seeds are like planted for you know his eventual like turn is in the thunderbolts and stuff like that where it seems like he's a 
he's got some kind of conscience and like it, it seems like you know when the red skull like kind of blows up all the or seemingly like blows up all the hostages or something he's kind of like you know you're doing all this for just a friggin like grudge against captain america like those people didn't have anything to do with that and you know i, I don't know it, it was just like you know it was deeper than the usual like yahaha bad guy yeah. so i appreciated yeah. that but um um let me see. There was something else I wanted to mention. Oh yeah, like, like I do like the Winter Soldier, like that story arc. But I, I was always sad that like Nomad or Jack Monroe like kind of yeah. died, or went out <laughs> like a, you know, like sort of ignominiously. Yeah. And like I, I had already knew him from like Thunderbolts and stuff. So and now like and now it makes me doubly sad because he's he's kind of like you know pretty major role in in this story. And like yeah, yeah I was like yeah. oh he was a pretty good like cap partner for a while yeah, and yeah. stuff. And even though, like, I think that original Nomad costume is a little ridiculous, but, you know, what, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, I really, I think I really enjoyed that. And, like, you know, I know what I like, and I, I, I liked, you know, J.M.D. Mateus, and, like, that's, that's, what do you call, uh, I, I went in expecting to like it, and I did. And you guys were talking about girlfriends. Like, I had never read anything with, like, Bernie Rosenthal oh, okay. in it, but, okay. but I, I liked her. Yeah, like, I, I, I kind of thought she was, like, spunky, and she was, like a good match for him and i i like the point where he was kind of like you know i can't marry you like you know there's too much like danger and shit and she was like you know fuck you you're you're gonna marry me and he's like fine. she like <laughs> grabs him and like kisses him and he's like okay fine we'll get married like so like i thought that was kind of funny yeah let she, me see she, uh, she shows up uh i think first in like the the roger stern john Byrne run like i think that's where they introduce her but she was she was pretty much a staple up until I guess Grunwald, I think, because I I seem to remember there. I'm trying to remember why they they called it off, but but I, I remember there was that thing where at some point they just sort of would run in, into each other, but it seemed to be like fairly amicable. Do you know what I mean? They're split. Yeah. You know? Didn't she like? I know she showed up in Brubaker's run, didn't she? Wasn't she like the defense attorney when like Bucky went on trial or something? Yeah, like... something like that, right? I don't know, Justin, do you know for sure? Because I, I, I think I was, like, looking on Wikipedia, and it said she later showed up, like, at Bucky's trial or something. Uh, I don't remember really, to be honest. I think, yeah, I, I, think that's, I think that's fairly accurate. Like, I sort of, I vaguely remember that. Oh, that's that's nice. Like I, I, I was like I was I went to Wikipedia because I was afraid I was going to read that she had yeah, died. Yeah, or yeah something, usually, so. usually you go there, and it's like somebody got, you know, molested or you know something horrible happened to them or whatever <laughs> she died she also died and cap was shown a videotape of <laughs> uh, and, and he he unquestioningly believed it yes but no um but anyway like then i kind of like jumped around and i read a little bit of john byrne and like roger stern's run like i read like the baron blood story yeah. where you know because i guess that's fairly infamous for like cap decapitating Baron Blood and stuff, and I guess at that point like they were still doing the Marvel like no kill policy, and it's like this is, it was supposed to be like a big deal like that Cap like killed someone or whatever, even though it was just a vampire. But you know it, it was a decent story, but um, I'm trying to think what did I then I I kind of like leaped far far ahead. I think I leaped into like the 400s after that, and um. 
I, I read, yeah, like I said, the Operation Rebirth, where, like, you know, Mark Wade and, like, uh, Ron uh, Garney kind of brought it back to basics or whatever and, you know, brought back Sharon and, you know, they, they do that whole team up with the Red Skull where, you know, they kind of have a rival yeah, fusion yeah. to, like, find that cosmic cube. And, you know, that was pretty cool. And, uh, like, uh, that that seemed like the beginning of a good, like, setup. But like I like you said, it probably got you know truncated because of you know Heroes Reborn or whatever. And then I jumped all the way ahead to like Dan Jurgen and uh, Adam uh, Kubert or Andy Kubert's run. It's and, weird. Uh, like I I don't have anything really negative to say about that run, but like I feel like it was all sort of derivative. Or as I was joking with with Mike before the show started, I always felt like. You know, Dan just had a couple of old Superman scripts in his drawers or something like that. <laughs> and he just kind of crossed out some names and, you know, whatever. Because there was, we, we, I was laughing. We always used to laugh about this. I forget which issue it was because you just read it. But it's probably like in the 30s somewhere, right? But, like, I, I just remember yeah. at the end of it, it's like, oh, my God, a missile has been launched. Like, it's, yeah, we're it's... too late. There's nothing we can do. And Cap's just like, hang on, I got this. And he, like, throws his fucking shield at the missile. And then the missile just fucking explodes. And I'm just kind of like... Dude, he's not fucking Superman. Like, I mean, it's like, come on. What what happens is like, there's this new hate monger, and he like straps Falcon to like this warhead, and like this other like army general to the other warhead, and he fires like the two missiles off, and like Nick Fury and Cap are like fighting on the ground, and like Nick Fury's like sees the missiles take off, and he's like, we're too late, Cap. Like, you shoulda like you know you shoulda worried about the missiles instead of worrying about you know Falcon or whoever else, and like. Captain America is kind of like, my first priority was always the missile, Nick. And then he, like, throws his shield, like, off into space. And it catches up with the missile. <laughs> like, it it, fr- it frees Falcon. And Falcon, like, disarms both warheads and rescues, like, the other general guy. And, like, mm. and Nick's like, I'm sorry I doubted you, Cap. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> so I was like, holy shit, man. Like, okay. Like, that, that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty kind of unbelievable, but, you know. I, I will say, like, as far as, like, honorable mentions or things that, that could possibly end up in an 11th or 20 on, on my list is from that run, though, for whatever reason, I always sort of took to Proto-Side, who is basically kind of like the, the venom to Captain America, I suppose. Like, he's kind of, like, supposed to be this this anti-Captain America character who has, like, his own super soldier serum and i just for whatever stupid reason you know i know it's probably not like the greatest character in the world but i always thought visually he was pretty striking and i I just thought it was a cool idea to have sort of like a a very specific sort of mirror image of captain america so i mean i'll i'll definitely say that that was something that struck my fancy when i when i was reading it in the stands and everything yeah that seems like it could have had potential like i didn't i didn't actually like read that far like i think the last thing I read was, like, Sharon going to the Savage Land with this, like, talking ankylosaurus that she had... I, don't, I forgot what happened, but, like, <laughs> there were all these, like... Like, yeah, there were these, like, super-evolved animals. And it turns out it's, like, Count Nefaria in the Savage Land, like, super-evolving all these animals. And then, like, like people in the Savage Land are, are all, like, aging fast. So, like, Cap finds, like this, like, super old, like, Shauna and Kazar, and their son is, like, aged into a man. So he teams up with his son, and, like, they, like, Shauna and Kazar both, like, die of old age. And then, like, it turns out, like, none of them were, like, 
real like they were all like genetic constructs and like the real Kazar and Shauna were like in tubes in like Count Nefarious lab and then like it's the next page and they're all free and Kazar's like yep you know that old Kazar and Shauna and like my son that you just like fought by- beside and they all died like they weren't real and Cap's like oh well good then like <laughs> <laughs> did you did you read the um did you read the Red Skull arc that that came up before those issues at all um i don't think so all i was gonna say was just like that that's one of those things i guess to to expand upon what what i was referring to but like see i'm a big fan of the original tales of suspense and and you know among like the sleepers and things like that that I think are pretty cool storylines. Like there is the original storyline where the red skull gets the cosmic cube and everything. And that's, you know, that's pretty famous, infamous, whatever you want to call it. You know, that's one of the stories that was on my top 10 list. And I think it's a, you know, a great Stanley Jack Kirby yarn, you know, type thing and everything. But I I feel like that Dan Jurgens run, like that basically brought all that stuff back. You know, it was kind of like a modern, take on that but it was also kind of like a rerun too do you know what i mean so it's like oh wait the skull's got the you know the cosmic cube he's in the gold armor he's like you know and like i get it i i understand the love for the original story but i sort of don't understand the need to sort of revisit it if that makes any sense i mean other than kind of saying like oh cool you know kubert is you know one of the kubert kids is drawing it like that. yeah the the art was beautiful like if i could say anything about that art that's probably what uh, that arc like that's what struck me the most is like they i was like man this is like classic kubert like this is great is that the one where they're like you know there's actually a fifth sleeper and they bring it out i think so like like i kind of remember that uh, like i i don't remember the specific beats of it but uh, what i ultimately remember is by the end of it the skull had the cube him and cap fight and i think that started the whole uh you know like uh, that was sort of how they tried to rectify because you know how in the beginning of wade's run he loses the shield and it goes to the bottom of the ocean. And then it's like when they recover it, the shield's all cracked and stuff. And it's like got that imperfection in it. And they were like, it was all kinds of continuity, like blaming it on like secret wars and all kinds of stuff from back in the day. But, but I, I think that was like when you were on the road to sort of conveying that, but that's when he had like the whole energy shield instead of like, you know, the actual, vibranium and unknown you know uh mesh of of uh you know metals for the shield or whatever so yeah i mean and then like aside from all that uh like yeah like i said winter soldier i mean i liked the the stranded and dimension z arc that we read like for an earlier podcast i thought that was a pretty good cap story and i mean I, I did read, like, I think it, it was, like, on Clarence, like, at my local, like, Newberry Comics. I did read Cap Reborn, but I thought it was really, like, lackluster, basically. And it, it just, you know, it served the purpose of bringing Cap back to life or back from time or, I don't know, he was probably, like, chilling with Bruce Wayne or whatever, like, in <laughs> yeah, that, that's, time or something, yeah, but, yeah. That's, that's but, what it feels like. I, I also, as, as for, like, I wanted to, like, you know, make my own mark on this topic, too. So, like, I thought um, I'd mention a, a story, and it's it, it's included in a trade that I have, like, where it's, like, I think it's, like, the greatest Captain America Iron Man team-ups 
And it's, it's, I think it's a Mark Wade story from that. I think it's a really short lived, like, uh, series back in the 90s uh sentinel of liberty Liberty. uh yeah yeah yeah. like it it was like an anthology tale where it had like like all different yeah and there was a back when captain america was cool enough to have two count of two titles on his hands (laughs) at the same time yep yeah but like uh, there was a little story in that that's collected in this trade that i always liked where it takes place like 48 hours after cap's been like thawed out of the ice and like Iron Man's like taking him around like Brooklyn, like in modern day to like see, you know, what's changed and stuff. And like Cap's kind of like all like out of sorts and stuff. And he's kind of like shivering because he's like still like cold. And like Iron Man's like, oh, God, like this guy's like falling apart. Like, you know, what were we thinking? Like asking him to join the team or whatever. And they come up against like these alien robots that like, you know, uh, I forgot who they're from, but like either Cree or whatever. But uh, like it, it starts off with like, it, well, the whole story is t- told from Iron Man's like point of view, and he's kind of like, you know, the first thing Cap does is like run at them, and then gets like punched through a building or something. And Iron Man's like, oh great, like you know, t- t- ten seconds into it, and Cap's already down, like, and then like uh, he's the, the robots like take take hypnotic control of Iron Man, and then Cap has to like fight iron man and like uh i i forgot like cap's like running through brooklyn of the modern time and he's like you know if i remember correctly there's a vacant lot over here that i can, I can take this fight to and like when he goes there there's like a su- like a super highway there now so he's like shit like <laughs> and then uh um I don't know. Eventually it ends up like that the robots try to take hypnotic control of Cap too, but like his will is like too strong and like he ends up like overloading them and beating them. And then, then, you know, Iron Man's like all humbled and stuff. And he's like, I'm not going to like underestimate you anymore, man. Like you're all right in my book, you know? And then like, I always thought that was a nice little like short tale, but you know, yeah. So that, that's my, like my unique contribution, I guess. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have to say on the subject. Cool, cool. There was a story from that uh, Sentinel of Liberty run I liked where the Nazis invade Atlantis, and like not only do they invade Atlantis, they manage to somehow mass produce the Human Torch. Well, I always like that story. That sounds pretty cool. Cool. I I I just want to mention some things that haven't come up yet, even if I've I've written about them, or probably more than likely I probably haven't written about them, but just want to kind of list them off as honorable mentions and recommendations. But one thing that hasn't come up yet, and is one of my top ten favorite stories, is the Adventures of Captain America Sentinel of Liberty miniseries. It was one of those like prestige format miniseries. It was four issues. It kind of, sort of, was supposed to tie into that cap movie from the 90s that never came out or whatever but it's 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 written by fabian nesieza and kevin mcguire and like that's i mean kevin mcguire doesn't do art on all four issues like it kind of peters out towards the end but man it's i i mean you know i i I just I love the art on it like all the expressions are awesome and and it's basically like a retelling of Captain America's origin story. So like for for me like that was probably the first time I had ever read a Captain America origin story. So even though there's like great stories in in the Roger Stern and John Byrne run that retell it or even like Justin was saying I think it's like 109 where they retell his origin, you know, with like Stanley and Kirby art again and you know, they usually retell it in 
you know, the tales of suspense and stuff like that. But I think this was the first time I had sort of been with Captain America from the ground floor up. And so that's always been, you know, something that I, I've always sort of adored as far as that goes. Um, and then some of the other things that I, I don't think I've ever written about, but I just want to sort of make some honorable mentions. And, and some of them are more like favorite moments than than actual stories and everything. But some things I wanted to bring up because, you know, I usually don't mention a lot of new stuff. So I, I did kind of want to mention some recent series that I did kind of enjoy. If you liked Spider-Verse, I know that's kind of controversial, um, but I, I know a lot of people have told me they do, even though we weren't like huge fans of it. But if you like the concept of Spider-Verse, there was a miniseries in 2011 called the Captain America Corps. And it's kind of like a toned down version of the Spider-Verse. It was like they had like, you know, US agent and they had uh the american dream and you know like just all these different you know the ameridroid was in it like they had all these different versions of captain america and they were all sort of you know in the same story and you know basically brought together by shenanigans and stuff like that and and it, i think it's like a five issue mini series and that you know i mean if if you kind of ignore certain things it's it's kind of fun I mean, you know, just to see all those different characters together. Um, another thing, I think I probably did mention this in writing, um, but I just wanted to bring it up. Like during the Bucky Cap era, one of the miniseries that they released was called Captain America Forever Allies. And it's kind of cool because it deals with Bucky Cap in the present, but then there are all these flashbacks to the young allies and his time as like the leader of that group of young heroes and everything. And of course, the main reason why I want to bring it up is Lady Lotus is in it. And she's like this Japanese evil, like Axis bad girl. Man, she's fucking hot. Like, she's so hot. Like, so if you like, uh, <laughs> if you if you like, like, you know, Axis Japanese bad girls that are super hot, like you sexy total, sentai ladies, se sexy sentai ladies, like you totally need to check out Forever Allies because that's that's like the series for that kind of thing, and and it's a good it's it's written by Roger Stern, so I mean it's a it's a great look at like the young allies and the flashbacks, and and then in the modern story with with Bucky Cap, like it's it's a good you know present day storyline that that touches on you know the the basically the reason why they're flashing back is like they're you know interrelated to the current modern storyline and everything um and then one thing that that has never made it into any of my lists but has always been like a favorite cap moment um has been like the earth x type stuff and um you know i know it's all controversial and everything especially with like man of steel and people losing their shit over like superman snapping zod's neck and of course when i was in the theater my reaction was thank you Thank you. Thank you. Um, that was my reaction when I saw that. And it was sort of the same reaction when uh, Earth X number 11 rolled around and you had that little annoying brat version of the Red Skull, which is just like this telepathic little snot who basically like made Spider-Girl make out with him. And he was mind controlling like all these people to sort of form his own little you know, corrupt army and he was overtaking America. And I think he made like Norman Osborn, who was the president at the time, like jump out the window and all this kind of crazy stuff. And of course it all sort of culminates. I know it's like old spoilers, but it all basically culminates in all these clay, um, animations coming to attack. And he doesn't realize that the clay animation of 
Captain America is not an animation. It's actually the real Captain America. And as all this sort of clay makeup peels off of him, he grabs the skull's neck and he, you know, basically breaks his neck and ends the whole fight right then and there. And again, it was like one of those moments where it's like, you're like, dude, he's a soldier. Like, of course he would do that. You know, like that to me, there was like no fucking question. If he was going to end the fight doing that, he was going to do it. And, you know, you know, not kind of going back to this whole, you know, we don't kill Mr. The Supreme intelligence needs to like hurt thousands of more people so I can have a good night's sleep, you know, and, and all that kind of nonsense. But, um, uh, and then, and then along those lines, uh, the the sequel story Universe X actually features like the death of Captain America in that storyline, but there's this kind of I, I don't know what the best way to describe it, but like there are these moments that made me kind of feel really um I I don't know what it is. It's like it's like it, it, since it's a fictional character, I don't want to say it made me sad. But I, I, it's kind of like looking at like uh, a picture of a cute cat or something. I don't know. I don't know what the right phrase or terminology is. But like, it's like basically when he dies, he gets to reunite with Bucky, who at that point in time was still dead. Do you know what I mean? So it was like one of those things where you were like, oh, and he, he, and Bucky sees him, and Bucky thought he was dead, and you know, basically like, it's like, Cap, you're not dead after all. And they have this whole kind of like charge of the light brigade. And it, it, it's kind of a funny thing, because apparently when you die, like you're basically colored in all these horrible off-putting colors, because like all the characters were like in greens and oranges and all these things that didn't match. So like Captain America basically had this weird, like orange colored outfit. Like if they made like a, a figure of it, everybody would be like, what the hell did they do to the color scheme? But like, I guess that's what you look like when you go to the land of the dead or something like that. But yeah, it's just this great scene where, you know, cap and Bucky and all these like characters who were dead in that universe, basically like are leading the charge, you know, in, in this fight in, in that realm and everything. I, for I forgot who, who said, I think it might've been Rob Liefeld who had this quote. But like I, I love some someone said it like you know it used to be you said like you know if someone's dead they're Bucky dead but nowadays not even Bucky is Bucky dead like <laughs> yeah I, I I forgot who said it I, I it might have been Rob Liefeld actually for some reason he's the first person I thought of when I thought of the quote but like I've always liked that and then I I guess I will give the the CBR article credit for bringing a story to my attention because I I tried to be fairly comprehensive when I read some of these things sometimes I mean that that Captain America thing when I made that list I I made it a project I mean I'd say I'd say I'm pretty well read in Captain America the only thing I'm kind of weak on in is some of those early timely comics I've only read like a handful of those like just the ones that I've thought of as being historically significant you know that have like you know first times that somebody you know i don't know you know cap rode a motorcycle or you know that you know the red skull appears or you know things like that that stanley wrote a text piece or something you know like things like that but um you know so so that i can't say i've read all like 78 issues of that original captain america comics i've only read maybe a handful but i mean you know tales of suspense captain america like volumes like one two three four five six seven like whatever the fuck they're on now like i've read like most of that stuff um 
But one, one thing that they brought up that I didn't know about was there's a uh, Bicentennial Battles Marvel Treasury special featuring Captain America. And, you know, obviously it came out during the Bicentennial and everything. Um, it's this, like, weird-ass, funny-ass story where basically it's like, I, I forget what they call him, like, Little Buddha or something. But it's like this weird cosmic character that just basically kind of, you know carts captain america around to all these different time frames and everything like that and you know it can get super preachy at points where you know it's like he he's in a time period where there's slavery he's in a time period where the atomic bomb goes off he's in a time period where you know native americans are about to get massacred by like you know uh you know the the american army and you know there, there's just all these different things where he gets bounced around through history and he happens to to play a part in i guess you know the the, the little kids trying to, I guess, I don't know, wear him down, like, you know, make his patriotism go away or, you know, like kind of, you know, do, do those kind of things. Um, and of course, you know, that doesn't work and Cap is resolved and, and, and kind of goes through those, those, all those trials and tribulations and everything, which, you know, it, it it's, it's kind of, you know, it's that whole Jack Kirby unfettered without Stan Lee kind of holding him back just a little bit. So it does get a little kind of, blue cupcakey, you know, when you read it and everything. But of course, the moment that tickled me, which I, I posted a panel of, and it's on our Tumblr or whatever, but my favorite part of it is when he goes back to like, you know, basically the American Revolution, and they haven't settled on a flag yet. And then all of a sudden, they get the idea to make the American flag because Captain America has come back in time. And then like Captain America, like he's got this look of like a madman on his face. And it's like, he, he basically is like, I've been ripped off! Like, Ben Franklin ripped me off! You know? <laughs> and he's, like, running in, like, terror and everything. Like, he ripped off my costume! You know, and, like, I don't know why, but that just, that kind of... It's like, I've got to go get Matt Murdock and bring him back in time so we can sue his ass! Yeah, like, like it just kind of, it cracks me up, like, that that whole thing. Um, I, I, I don't know if you guys want to go into this at all, because I know we've been sort of praising a bunch of stuff, but I, I, I did just kind of jot down some notes about like maybe least favorite stories or I guess something else that I was curious to ask you guys about maybe in relation to the whole CBR article is like we have been sort of mentioning stories that specifically relate to Captain America. And, and I, I find it interesting that occasionally stories are brought up where it has to deal with like teams or moments. I mean, I, I don't think traditionally I would put something like Earth X on a list of my favorite Captain America stories because it doesn't only just have to deal with him per se. But I, I mean, I certainly could see it as being like a favorite moment for Captain America. But it's like, I mean, obviously I like Operation Galactic Storm. You know what I mean? Like I like uh acts of vengeance do you know what i mean but but like i i don't necessarily consider them my favorite like captain america stories like even even under siege which i think made it onto that cbr list i was kind of thinking well that's kind of an avengers story right like you know like like things like that or like like one thing that i kind of shook my head at and i just figured it was because jim lee drew it was like why is x-men 268 on there you know like i don't know I just thought I'd ask you guys about stuff like that, like what your sort of take on on those kind of choices were like the, you know, something that, you know, it, Secret Wars or, or whatever, you know, like some kind of big event or some kind of team book, you know, like like are those things that you sort of see and think, oh, well, that's fine. It's just, you know, 
that's that's a favorite story that happens to have Cap in it, and he's part of the team? Or the, are you, are you kind of like me at all, where you're kind of you question like, well, wait a minute, is that really like, is that really a Captain America story, or or did you just put that in there because you like Jim Lee's art? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, to me, it felt like, well, what if I put uh, what was that the assassination plot where it's like McFarlane and Larson had Captain America in the issues with Spider-Man when they were like looking for his, his dead parents or whatever the, the deal was in that Spider-Man story. It's like, it, 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 I don't know. It's just like one of those things where it's like, I don't know that the story was like that awesome. You know what I mean? But it's like, if you think that seeing, uh, you know, McFarlane do a Captain America cover is cool, I suppose you could put it on your list, but they didn't, you know? So I'm like, well, why is the Jim Lee one on there? It seems like it's more about Black Widow and Wolverine than it is about, Captain America, but I, I don't know. If you're Logan, I'm your backup. I'm Captain America. Really? I never would have guessed. You know, like, uh, to me, like, a really great Captain America moment is him standing up against Thanos in Infinity Gauntlet. There you go. There you go. That's but, great. But I wouldn't put that on my list. I right. would just maybe mention it as a really great moment in another book or something. Yeah, like yeah. I would, like, I would make that distinction. No, no, no. I, would, I, I agree yeah. with that, yeah. <clears throat> Or like the issue of Daredevil where, you know, he's looking at the Avengers rescue all these people and the narration right, is right. That was something voice, that... that command of God. And I was like, that's a really great Cap moment. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a Cap comic. It's just a great moment. Yeah, that like that's something that ended up on their list. And I sort of questioned it. Like, not so much because, like, I'm like, I think it's necessarily bad. It's just one of those things where I was kind of like, is that really a Captain America story? Or is it just a, a, a like you said, a... a a uh, cool moment featuring your favorite character. You know, like it's funny because there's there's a lot of um, you know, I, I guess now that you brought it up, the the Frank Miller, you know, Born Again, um, th- there's a lot of stuff I sort of I don't personally get. I mean, it, it could just be because of the state of mind I'm in today and how old I am and my views on the world and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, to each their own. Like I don't I don't discourage any of the talent or skill that went into any of these stories. I mean, I I would say unequivocally, even if I say that some of these stories are maybe my least favorite or not my cup of tea, like that doesn't mean any of the art is not exceptional. I mean, I think most cap writers have always had like pretty awesome artists and all this kind of stuff. But like one of the stories was like that always seems to get brought up on these lists, whether it's like wizard or, you know, CBR or, or even just in casual conversation, like a lot of people seem to bring up Marvel fanfare number 18. And that's because one, it's drawn by Frank Miller. And then I think it is, I want to say it's Roger Stern that wrote it. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. It, it, It does seem to fall into that camp of, of stories where things get like very political and, and I can either take it so seriously to a point or I sort of have to make fun of it because of, of how far off I think some of the, the agendas and takes are, you know? So it's like, I could, I can only, I can only look at it of one of those two ways. I mean, you know, some people say, Oh, it's a great story and it exemplifies who cap is and it might be a little too flag wavy, but you know, it's great. And I kind of read it and I'm kind of like, I, I guess I can see, you know, it's early Frank Miller. Like I can see why, you know, people think that, that, you know, and it, it, it does that criteria of you know it's not like there's 10 other people in the story you know it's it's just a captain america story so i mean it's certainly a contender 
But sometimes I look at it and kind of go, okay, well, there are a bunch of guys who think the government is screwing them over. And, you know, obviously there's connotations of of people who are entitled or maybe they have, you know, ulterior motives and they're they're, you know, jealous and racist and this and that and the other thing. And then, you know, Cap goes in and tries to bust them all up. And then a fire gets set off by one of the guys who doesn't want to be taken. You know, he's like, you'll never take me alive, copper. And he sets himself on fire. And then Cap basically saves everybody in the building. And then he runs back into the building and they're all like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like you saved everybody. And he's like, there's one man left. And it's like, what is he talking about? Of course, he comes out with the American flag, you know, and it's supposed to be like, you know, okay, you know. He saved the flag, too. And, like, that's the kind of person Cap is and what he believes in and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. Like, I, it's one of those things where I think, one, because it's Marvel fanfare, like, I don't think I think about it too much because it's Marvel fanfare. Um, <laughs> sorry. And then, um, and then the other thing is just like, ah, uh, you know, I mean, I get it, sort of, but I kind of don't get it. So, um, but, yeah, there's, there's, there's a, a lot of those kind of stories that I ran into as I was... I was doing my lengthy run of, of Captain America. Maybe, maybe one of those guys should have been like, no, Cap, don't. Like, here's this videotape of the flag dying. Like, you shouldn't have gone back. <laughs> As you can see, the flag, like, self-combusts on this videotape. It's gone, Cap. Oh, damn. Yeah, I, I, I mean, not not the I mean, unless you guys want to talk about some of these things I'm about to mention, then stop me and feel free to tell me I'm wrong or, or talk about them or whatever. But like there's there, there's other stories like that for me where I think they get too uh, too polarizing, I guess, is the best way to put it. The nicest way to put it. You know, you've got you've got Steve Englehart, who's like a great writer. Um, but, you know, and, and, and clearly it's 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 well written and everything. But it's like I kind of get tired of the whole you know, it's like Secret Empire, like Richard Nixon was a bad guy, you know, type stories. And, you know, the whole, you know, 50s cap is an evil son of a bitch. And, you know, I mean, obviously that gave us Nomad and then Nomad died. So I guess they finally got their vengeance later on or whatever. But, you know, like like I just, you know, like some of those stories, like I, I, I can either kind of read them and kind of take them with a grain of salt and laugh like you know like like some of the stuff that makes me laugh is like you know you talk about like those early issues with cap and the falcon and stuff like that and and there were all these like riots going on and like i always post like panels of like there was this you know girlfriend that falcon had at the time and she ostensibly was like a black panther you know like pretty much like you know and and it was like without them coming out and saying it that's what she was so it's like there are all these like funny ass panels that you can take out of context or even in context you kind of look at it and go hey it looks like she's just as bad as the people she's trying to fight because every five minutes it's like yeah okay honky you do what you want whitey you know and stuff like that and i just always kind of laughed because it was like oh okay like clearly like she's sort of as bad as the people she was kind of raging against and like ultimately what you find out is the person that is manipulating all these people and and kind of driving them into violent solutions is the red skull and so it's just you know like that it's supposed to be sort of like a life lesson but like at the time Captain America's secret identity was a cop. So it's funny, like, reading the story now in context and looking at, like, people would probably have a field day with it today and just go ape shit over it or whatever. And I'm sure at the time it wasn't like people just, 
rolled their eyes and didn't pay attention to it, you know, but it's like a, a lot of those stories where they start to try and deal with like the actual political ramifications of, of certain things. And and I, I feel like sometimes kind of like how we discussed, like how some storylines peter out. Like, I also think that also creeps its way back into even great runs. You know, it's like, you know, whether it's like, I remember Mark Grunewald, he, he had a story where like fucking Ronald Reagan turned into a goddamn fucking snake, you know, and I'm just kind of like, <laughs> all right, all right. Like, I get it. You guys don't fucking like that party in the White House. Like, fine. But it's like, come on, man. Like, it's like it's like every time I read something, it's like, OK, well, Nixon's a son of a bitch. Ronald Reagan turns into a fucking snake. You know, like there's all these like nasty ass things like, you know, in that arena. But then when I fucking read like Heroes uh, Reborn, when Robinson takes over, it's like Bill Clinton's like the coolest president ever and like totally like takes one for the team. And he's like the greatest guy you've ever seen. And I'm just kind of like, all right, like, OK, that's nice, I guess. But, you know, like all these other guys are like you know, apparently bastards or whatever. So I'm just kind of like, I, I sort of take it with a grain of salt, you know, cause it's like, you, you've got like stories where they deal with like the atomic bomb and it's like cap wasn't going to stand for the atomic bomb. And that's why nobody knew about it. And, you know, that's why we put him into hibernation. And this was like the heroes reborn cap. So it basically doesn't apply to like any real cap continuity but anyway it was just like stuff like that that i noticed where like all, all those things kind of bum me out and then my favorite was uh when steve gerber like i don't know was taking the smoking a bowl or whatever and decided like that captain america's origin wasn't like really captain america's origin and like uh, have you guys ever read this no, no, no. It, it, it's horrible. Like it gets like retconned like five minutes later or whatever. But like, like, because I was trying to figure out like, because I wanted to know like, and this is stuff that's usually never in like a Wikipedia or like, uh, you know, it's not something you can easily Google. But I just wanted to know. And, you know, I, I've, I've finished the two videos, but I've only released one of them for Captain America. So this video hasn't come out yet. And who knows, it might not come out until like the end of the year or whatever. But I really wanted to research, like, when does Captain America really become an artist? Because he's he's had a number of professions over the years, like in his secret identities, whether it's been like, you know, a cop or a shield agent or, you know, you know, soldier, uh, professor, like whatever, whatever different things he's done, you know, in, in the various comic books. But one of those things is eventually at some point he becomes like a commercial artist. And at one point he's actually like drawing for Marvel Comics and it's supposed to be all like meta and in jokey. And I kind of wanted to figure out, like, what? When does he actually become an artist? And like some of it, you can argue first really, really shows up when John Byrne and Roger Stern take over the book, because that's when he starts like going out for jobs and running around with a portfolio and trying to, you know, have work, get work that way as like a sort of like a freelance, you know, commercial artist, basically. But even earlier than that, uh, around like the two. 30s there is a oh no i'm sorry not 230s it's it's like around like the 220s it's like 225 if you read that it's got like all the the gory details about this ridiculous retcon but like basically in that like there's the notion that steve rogers wasn't afflicted with polio he wasn't a scrawny little kid he actually lived in the suburbs he uh got 
like I don't know, probably harassed by like jockey kids or whatever. He was an artist. That that's why I f- discovered this story because it's the first time it's ever mentioned like that Steve Rogers had any sort of I guess interest or application in being like an artist or whatever. And that's all he really wanted to do in that story. And like I think his dad was like I don't know, he, he, basically like they had this estranged relationship. He had an older brother and then at some point like before the war was going to happen, uh, the older brother gets killed. And then, like, that's basically like, okay, you can do whatever you want to me. Put the super soldier serum in me. My brother's dead. Like, let's go fight Nazis. And, like, they totally, like, changed his, like, entire origin to sort of fit, like, this weird kind of, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to be diplomatic about it, but this, this you know, basically, th- this was kind of a new take on it from Steve Gerber. Let's just put it that way and and it it was obviously not well received you know and and it's just like one of those things where are you serious like this this is the new origin of like what like and so like you know and i think i want to say like right before burns run started like some some somewhere around there like there's this thing where like he keeps going back to nick fury and dum-dum and basically going is this my new origin and at the time they're like totally your new origin dude signed and stamped like this is it like we lied to you all these years but then like eventually when like the new arc comes out it's like he goes back and it's like no that was a lot of bullshit we're re-retconning that like that shit never happened these were false memory implants like never speak of this again you know and i was just like thank god but like (laughs) you know it's just like one of those things where like if you actually read it you're just like holy crap that was terrible like um but like I feel, I feel like there's a lot of that stuff, kind of uh, in the, um, I guess w- what would you call it, like the Millennium Cap stories, like the Marvel Knights run, and you know, the, the, you know, it was always all these kind of either revisionist history stories or things that were designed to shock you. Like you know, I I, I was never a big fan of like say the Truth miniseries or like the All Winter Squad Band of Heroes, and me and Justin have talked about this, but I I can't stand that. Avengers versus Invaders miniseries that Ross and Kruger and the yeah. did a couple of years ago. Like I, I don't like any of that stuff. So like the the, the and, and it's not like to end on a negative note, but I just I thought it might be kind of fun to discuss. Like there there are some things where you know especially because it's Captain America, I guess, and it deals with you know America. You know we we got to talk about you know uh, or or the writers feel the need to discuss about whatever uh, you know kind of issues are relevant at the the current time, you know? And 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 you can certainly see I guess a snapshot of of the things that were uh, conceivably important or at least, you know, sort of that that made ruffles between society at the time because things like that always seem to sort of come up in those stories. So well, I'd say Civil War is a shitty Captain America story, but we'll get to that in a future <laughs> episode, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I think that falls into it's it's a shitty story, period, not like yeah. Captain America. It's like a shitty event story, but not like a, you know, a shitty, I don't know, 
but but yeah i mean you know I, I i've always had that dichotomy where it's like i kind of i kind of yuck it up about mr cap who who doesn't want to kill the supreme intelligence even though i still like operation galactic storm you know but but i i always think that those points are the points where i sort of tune out or whatever you know and just kind of go are, are you kidding me after all the nasty ass shit the supreme intelligence has done you're gonna argue with fucking tony stark on pulling his plug and it's like he's not even like a real it's not like it's like you know a little kid and cats and dogs and like you know happy-go-lucky stuff and it's like oh, i was just doing it to feed the cats you know, like, no, it's the fucking supreme intelligence. He's like practically a computer. I mean, it's like having an argument over whether you're going to fucking kill Ultron. It's like, come on, man. He's a fucking well, robot. Like, not not to like, I guess this is almost a segue, not to like jump ahead or whatever. But like, I, I we're going to talk about the new invaders like series. But I was kind of like, I was like, whoa, how times have changed. Because like, Cap does like shut off the supreme yeah, intelligence yeah, 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 in that yeah. series. And he's like, He's like, you know, my shield's got nanites on it. Like, I'm pulling your fucking plug, and he throws it in there, and you're you're just a fucking computer, man. Like, yeah, and and of course it, it's yeah, it's completely contrary to to the end of Galactic Storm. Yeah, um, I I mean I I, I don't want to just keep babbling on, but but if if there's anything that you guys have to add to that kind of thing, like anything that's ever sort of either rubbed you the wrong way or, or or stuff that is maybe your your least favorite or things that you sort of steer away from like is there something like you've read where you're like this is god awful like for the love of god like please don't read this listeners like is there anything like that that you've ever come across or anything i just remember like when i was first getting into comics and reading random stuff like i think my first encounter with cap like new like in-store cap comics was cap wolf and i've never been a fan <laughs> of i don't like stories where characters turn into things whether it's uh you know jail ape or world war hulk like i don't <laughs> like those kind of things so like i was like all right captain america like and the cover is like you know he's a wolf and he's fighting wolverine and i was like uh what is going on here and i was like i'll come back to this later maybe and then when I did, it was like he was all messed up and he was wearing this weird like suit of armor. And I was like, maybe Captain America just isn't for me. Like, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> but, but then thankfully, you know, Mark Wade took over. Um, it's like, like you, I... you, you, you nailed it at like the two worst. Yeah. It's like Cap Wolf and fucking uh, Armored Cap. Like that's like what what horrible, horrible odds. You know, I, I was just, I was looking at a preview of, like, the current, like, Sam Wilson Captain America, like, series, like, written by one of my sarcastic air quotes favorite <laughs> writers, uh, Nick Spencer. Um, and, like, I was, like, I was, I was looking at the preview, like, in, like, minimized form, and I was, like, I don't even see Cap in this, or, or, or Captain Falcon, or whatever. And then I expanded it, and I was, like, oh, shit, he's turned into Cap Wolf. And I was, like, why is Sam Wilson Cap Wolf? And I was, like, okay, whatever, you know, this, this probably sucks. So then I didn't read it anymore. Wow. Yeah, I, I have to say, I'm, um, I'm not I'm no, I wanted to say I'm woefully ignorant about that era of Captain America, but I can't really say that cuz I've read a couple issues of the the Mark Wade Avengers book. So and and of course in this in this uh, all new Avengers we're about to discuss the uh Sam Wilson Captain America does Yeah. So I'm not I'm not I, completely ignorant of it. I I read the first 6 issue arc by Rick Remender. I did not like it. Like, and, and not only that, it's like, I, like, I don't have any problem with the Falcon, but like, I don't know. It just, it, it didn't seem like, 
the title of Captain America, like, obviously, like, that gives him some, like, a little bit more cred, but I felt like he just got his ass kicked for that entire arc, and I was like, oh, man, and then, like, Red Wing dies at the end of it, basically, so I was like, man, like, that's a pretty, like, poor beginning to your tenure as Captain America, so. Um, I've been reading the Mike's quote-unquote favorite, you know, Sam Falcon series. Well, I've read the first couple issues. There's some stuff in it like you're not gonna like Derek because Diamondback comes back, and apparently like she I, had a she had a hard time and became a stripper and then went back to like being a bad guy. And she never bothered to visit me while she was a stripper. <laughs> what? <laughs> you're right. I'm totally angry about that. Um, no, you you know what I did see was that they they somehow tried to. Uh, uh, what's the best way to put it since oh the snap wilson and then but the um they, they tried to um uh uh what's the word i'm looking for they they tried to reform uh uh d-man or at least you know like like sort of make oh, him like yeah. a, a partner again and not like some crazy he's not a homeless bum and he's not fucking you know scourge of the underworld or whatever so i was like oh okay well you know i i could see myself maybe wanting to check that out but if if red wing dies after the first six issues i could only imagine maybe d-man will get like you know butt raped or something and i'll have to empty my head cannon even more I, or whatever i think he, he must have got better because he's in like this new like you know the current series being published Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, but, I, like, it's it seemed like he either died or was like you know out of commission like the last time I read it. So. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, um, I guess if that if that concludes uh, all our talk on Captain America's seventy fifth anniversary for the current time i guess what we'll do is we're gonna take a quick break right here we're gonna play a commercial break from a fun awesome podcast and then when we come back as promised we're gonna be discussing the all new marvel now invaders so stay tuned for that guys okay i'm gonna do the promo now really finally okay let's do the promo what do you mean let's do the promo i'm the one who has to do it well get on with it then okay okay here we go <clears throat> Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk, the Mighty Thor, the Captain America. Wow, being dramatic there, aren't we? Do, do you think it's too much? Should I back off? No, 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 you're fine. You, you're good. Okay. You've seen the Earth's mightiest heroes in the Avengers franchise of films. Now you can enjoy the stories that have inspired those films through the magic of comic podcasting magic of podcasting you sure about that one well yeah because you know we're awesome like magic only without actually seeing any magical things just go with it go with it go with it okay don't forget to tell them what we're actually doing on the show oh oh yeah okay so join lily wilson the awesomest teenage comics fan in the world mm -hmm. as her father takes her through all the early comics that feature characters from the avengers franchise of films and some that aren't in those films yet, but will be. Because we started with the anime before we had a full film. Oh, well, yeah. And don't forget Spider-Man. He's not looking at Avenger, but he's there. Oh, okay. So um, maybe it should be that feature characters that have been, are currently, or will one day be in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Better. 
And where should they go not see this magical podcasty goodness? New episodes can be found... <coughs> do I have to do the voice? Yes, you do. Okay, okay. New episodes can be found at the Complete Marvel Reading Order website, cmro.travis-starns.com, and clicking under the Podcasts tab. Or on iTunes by searching Complete Marvel Reading Order, or just search for the name of the show itself. Um, Dad? Don't you think we should actually say the name of our show? Oh. Yeah! Avengers! Inspirations! Podcast! Listen and stuff. Yeah, good job, Dad. Thank you! Alright, guys, we are back. And I know we have been talking about Cap's 75th anniversary, but it is kind of easy to overlook that at the time of the release of the title we're about to discuss... It was technically the 75th anniversary of the Human Torch and Submariner. And the series, as promised, that we're going to be discussing is Marvel Now's All New Invaders. This was released in 2014. It is written by my favorite, no air quotes, no sarcasticness, one of my favorite writers, James Mm -hmm. Robinson. And it has fairly consistent art on all 15 issues by a gentleman named Steve Poog. So I, I think that's kind of exceptional given the current climate and era where it seems like, you know, either books are being rebranded or rewritten or re-artisted, whatever the right terminology is, like every couple months. So I think that's kind of pretty awesome. I did cobble together a brief uh sort of blurb slash synopsis of what we're about to discuss for anybody who's not in the know about what this title is i'll read that real quick and then i guess we can just get into you know our notes on the various issues and everything so here we go eisner award winner james robinson returns to marvel comics uniting with steve poog to create a unique modern day take on the invaders The Kree Empire intends to conquer the universe using a weapon called the God's Whisper that will grant them command of an army of Norse gods. It falls to four heroes united by their past, Captain America, Namor, the original Human Torch, and the Winter Soldier, who must now wage war against the Kree to save the Earth. The invaders face the Kree's ultimate hunter, Tanolf the Pursuer, and take the fight straight to the Kree homeworld and the Supreme Intelligence. Featuring guest appearances from characters such as Toro, Arcus, the original Vision, the Japanese superhero Radiance, Luther Manning, Deadlock, Killraven, Spitfire, Union Jack, the Eternals, the Inhumans, and more. So yeah. So but, that's, but not Citizen V. But not Citizen V. Bucky's still mad at him from that last arc, and the Hulk is too, for whatever reason. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's that's kind of the quick, you know, high-level overview of the all-new Invaders, written by James Robinson. Uh, just uh, quick kind of reactions to this. I mean, th- this was, you know, an ongoing series. I was kind of excited about it. I know Justin wanted to talk about this early on, but we we sort of put it on the back burner because we wanted to discuss this with Justin on the show if we were ever going to do that. And, you know, by by this point, conveniently, the series is kind of over with. It ran for 15 issues. Um, I I do want to say, like, for all the flack 
Robinson gets from either, you know, crazy internet people on various message boards or Linkara or whoever it is. I mean, here's an example of a guy who enjoys his comics, enjoys his continuity and his history, but is also sort of willing to play the game. Because you can tell there were things he intended to do in this that he had to make alterations for, especially as massive events were taking place and, and sort of changed the landscape of what his original intention. But, I mean, he, he sort of went with it. You know, he made it work. Like, there's this acting game, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the podcast, but it, it, it it's like an acting game where basically you cannot answer no. Like, you can't answer in a negatory fashion. So whatever somebody asks you and you're improving. You, you have to accept that what they've just asked you is the truth. So it's like, did you have cotton candy yesterday? Man, yes, it was great. You know, I guess the game is called Yes, you know, because you just got to be like, yeah, that was the best cotton candy I ever had. Or, yes, I did. That cotton candy was horrible. I went around the merry-go-round and we threw it up all over the person riding next to me. <laughs> you know, like, wh whatever your answer is, you want to improv something, but you have to answer yes to it. And I think Robinson does a good job of basically saying yes. It's like, I, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, just at the outset that, that Tanulf the Pursuer is probably not who he intended to use. I, I, I would speculate that, you know, probably the most iconic Cree bad guy is probably Ronan the Accuser. But at this particular time, this was during the Infinity crossover, which we covered on this show as well. And at that point, Ronan was basically a steadfast ally of the Avengers and, and Captain America in, in Hickman's run. So there's no way you could sort of reconcile that. I Well, I don't think that would make much sense to have him be a bad guy in this run. And they, they clearly, he, he doesn't shirk away from it. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't avoid the issue. He actually creates a brand new character for them to fight. And also they, they actually mention Ronan and kind of explain where he is. And, and obviously that he would not be a part party to, uh, I guess, this Cree invasion that's going on in the story. I don't know if you guys had anything to add. I sort of wrote down a bunch of notes about the the various issues and everything, but is there anything you guys want to go into as far as your first impressions of the all-new Invaders? Previously, Robinson was working for DC. You know, he was writing Earth 2, uh, a book I really liked. And while I was sad to see him leave DC, you know, when he came to Marvel and it was announced he was, was going to be doing this, like, I was really excited because I know he loves, you know, he loves continuity like you said and he, he really has a love for like golden age characters and, and obscure characters too so i was really excited and like i was i was reading this month to month and i i, I really enjoyed it and it, not only does it have the invaders you know i've talked about this before like this you know the original series like issue number uh i think 11 was the first marvel comic i ever read so i have a lot of love for not only these characters but for the series um so i was really excited for that and then, you know, you throw in, like, all kinds of, like, crazy stuff, like the Martians and Kill Raven, and you've got the Eternals, like, doing stuff, and you've got, you know, the the original Vision is, like, doing mysterious, shady stuff, and you've got, like, new characters, like, new incarnations of, like, uh, or, like, I guess, like, a new legacy character, technically, with the new uh, Iron Cross, and you've got, like, the new Radiance, who's kind of, like, uh, you know, like you said, it, it, it was in a trilogy, but, you know, from that last issue in Namor's Jazz, we can kind of assume that uh, that she became a lot of interest for uh, Jim Hammond. But like, you know, 
this is a really great series and uh, I really hated to see it end but you know when it was announced I was like this is great but I kind of doubt it'll make it to 12 issues but at least we got 15 instead yeah I, I think it's it, it's funny it's kind of sad in this day and age it's like almost a testament that that the same writer and the same artist worked for over a year on the same title through all these like crossovers and things that were kind of you know i i mean that's something that they always complain about it's like you you may love the crossover i mean i did like infinity but it seemed like he was sort of you know kind of already making alternative plans based on the the after effects the ripples that that series sort of set into play but it, it's kind of interesting though because i think ronan had been sort of a uh, I, I don't want to say a good guy, but I mean, you know, you had the whole stuff in, in the Annihilation series of books, and then he was a member of the Annihilators with Silver Surfer and Gladiator and all those guys, you know, so it's like it wasn't like he was he, he, he was at the very least in, in, in kind of like that halfway state where Magneto's been for a lot of the time during his various encounters with the X-Men where he wasn't just the flat out evil guy. He was actually sort of like this anti-hero on their side, you know, and, and I think Ronan also took that role, you know, when he's married to Crystal, you know, when he's part of the Annihilators. And then, of course, in Infinity, like that was the most recent story out at the time. So it was like you couldn't have Ronan the Accuser be the bad guy. They call me terrorist, radical, zealot, because I obey the ancient laws of my people, the Kree, and punish those who do not. And and I think that's you know I don't know I I, I do think it's kind of cool though that he kind of he's like okay I'll work with this like let's let's do a story it's like who who are the you know who are the current incarnations of the invaders you know and it's like oh it, it's kind of neat to see like okay it was kind of like the Marvel now cap you know and he kind of looks like the movie cap with the helmet and all this good stuff and you know the current namor who was bumming around with the illuminati and the x-men and all this other kind of stuff you know and he's the king of the seas and you know he's pissed off at black panther and his kingdom's in ruins and all that kind of stuff so you had this guy who's kind of almost like the the bad boy of the marvel universe you know involved in the team and then you know instead of it being like a kid sidekick like bucky you know you've got kind of like this badass russian spetsnitch you know super spy guy who is the winter soldier with all his cybernetic enhancements and all that kind of stuff and then i think we go back to somebody who you've said justin is like one of your favorite characters who is uh, jim hammond the original human torch and you know i i mean i i did not stick around for the entirety of the run but i mean he did he wasn't really in a good place when um when uh what what's the title i'm thinking of Secret Avengers? Secret Avengers. He wasn't in a really good place when, when Secret Avengers ended. So, I mean, I guess this is a chance to sort of right any wrongs that were done to him by Rick Remender, I suppose. Yeah, I'm glad they deal, dealt with that in the first like couple of issues because like I like that run, the Remender run of Secret Avengers. And like I was excited that he was going to use Jim Hammond. But it's like, what happens to him? Well, he gets immediately taken out. He spends most of the run in like a tube recuperating. And then you have this whole, like, story at the end where it's like, you know, you've got this whole, like, uprising of, like, artificial intelligence, and he's, like, kind of the center of it. And I was like, I was like, man, they're going to kill him off again. Like, he'll come out of it and sacrifice himself, and he'll die yet again. Thankfully, that didn't happen. 
and thankfully like uh robinson addressed this in the very first issue you know it's like he's he's kind of withdrawn since that he's like living in this little small town he's like working as a mechanic which i thought was kind of neat because you know johnny storm like in the first issue fantastic four like what's he do like he's you know he's working as a mechanic like he's kind of a grease monkey and i was like well, that's kind of neat it's kind of like you know a, a little homage to like the guy who came after him or something but yeah i really liked the way he was treated and then you know he becomes a shield agent like i was like well that's that's kind of weird like i don't i don't think he would be a good shield agent like i can't see him just running around and being like yes ma'am to like maria hill like i feel like he would punch her in the face or something it's but, weird they they sort of play with that idea that he's not quite the company man but because captain america asks him to do it he says yes but i i did feel like somewhere in the middle like by the time it got to those original sin tie-ins you're like okay so he's an official agent of shield but then midway through when he kind of is being affected by that sort of virusy thing and he's afraid he's gonna hurt everybody i thought part of me thought at that point all right i guess his whole tenure with shield is done but he sort of comes back to it in that final issue it seems like so i was kind of i I, yeah i have to admit that part of it kind of surprised me I was just going to say, yeah, like, I'm sure, Justin, you were happy that, like, you know, Jim Hammond, like, got some of his cred back after, you know, he just kind of, I don't know, it's like his storyline just kind of petered out in Secret Avengers. Like, he didn't really turn on the the guys he was with, but then he just kind of said, no, I don't want to be with you guys, and then he flew off or something, like, so. Yeah, but I guess it's like, you know, the, since the series, like, ended prematurely, like, one of the things Robinson continued was like when he, he he was writing Fantastic Four, he continued to use Jim Hammond, Agent of Shield. Like there was a whole I don't know if you guys read it, but there was kind of a whole little sub story where you know the Fantastic Four were kicked out of their building and their kids were taken away from them. But it's like who who is in charge of their kids' like well being? Like it's Jim Hammond. Jim Hammond. Like I was like, well that's that's really great. Like that's you know. He's not a shady like shield guy. You can be like, like, what's he gonna do? What's like? Yeah, he's someone you can trust. Yeah, basically, that's cool though. I didn't know that, but I I like when writers do that when they have more than one book and like their book ends or something, and then they're like, well, I'll just finish my storylines in this book. Like, yeah, like there there were so many things going on with book ended. I'm kind of wondering. It's like you know he's, um, he's currently writing Squadron Supreme, and even though I have issues with that book, I'm like, well, maybe. He will shift like this Galactus thing and the whole Martians thing. Like maybe we'll see like shades of that in the Squadron Supreme like later on or something. Is that like the the squadron with like Hyperion and like uh, all those guys or like is yeah. that the the new book? Oh okay. Didn't they like kill Namor? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> sorry yeah i knew that would probably be a sore subject but yeah they, they did I, I guess we should have said spoilers but yeah like the first issue it's like um which is weird because let me back up like when this book was going on uh all the invaders like robinson said like he had a, a very big and very specific storyline in in mind for namor and they didn't get around to it and then it's like you know one of the post secret wars titles is james robinson's squadron supreme and it, you know it said it was going to have namor in it and i was like well that would be neat if like namor joined and he was able to like shift that unused storyline there but and no they, like, and then they killed him yeah i mean like so what happens like oh like these like jerks show up and like not only do they destroy atlantis but like 
they kill Namor, and they do it. They do it in such a like disrespectful fashion. Yeah, like, it, it was pretty ignominious. Like yeah. the, it just, it didn't even look cool. It's not like he died, and you're like, whoa, that's like the most awesome panel I've ever seen. It was more like, you know, Sharon Carter. Like they may, they may as well have handed Captain America <laughs> a fucking VHS tape and been like, you see this headless guy? Like this is Namor. It's like stars and stripes. Like, you know? so. Yeah. But then later, like, uh, the Uncanny Avengers show up and, like, Steve Rogers is like, listen here, mister, like, you were once an Avenger, you know, you're doing some bad stuff. And then who else comes in but, like, you know, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, Jim Hammond, and he, like, starts, like, taking on the guys with, like, uh, his atomic radiation power or whatever. I I know you were talking before about how Jim Hammond was, like, kind of in a small town, you know, he's in Illinois in this little town, and, and he's a mechanic and everything. I think when... When Tanelf shows up and she fights with him and everything, I did kind of get that whole, you know, Man of Steel fighting in Smallville vibe, you know, because like the whole, you know, basically his his boss gets killed by Tanelf and, you know, the whole town is getting set aflame and busted up and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, I thought it was a pretty cool fight, but it did give you that vibe that, you know, this was sort of a, you know, obviously a peaceful town that isn't normally used to getting attacked by supervillains and having superheroes fight and you know it, it didn't exactly seem like damage control was gonna you know roll up on the scene and make everything better it seemed like once the town was fucked it was like jim hammond was just kind of like sorry dudes sorry bros gotta go you know and everybody's like we thought you were cool jim hammond you you, you ate our pie and drank our coffee you're not cool <laughs> You know, like, so there, there, there was that kind of aspect to it where you kind of like, like feel bad for those people because it's like they were he was trying to forge some relationships with them and kind of, you know, fall under the radar. But, you know, of course, the story is not going to let him do that. You know, it's like basically Cap and Bucky show up to help with the fight and they end up finding out that Namor is a prisoner on Hollow, which is the Kree homeworld. And, um, they're, they're, you know, like the thing I love about Robinson comics is like that thing where, and I was going to ask you about this, Justin, and I forgot to mention it on the Deadpool show, but it's actually perfect because you'd be the person to, to ask about it too. But the, the thing I was going to bring up is what I normally love about Robinson comics is when you see a character in it and you're like, who the fuck is that? Usually if you look it up, you're like, holy shit, that's like a real character. And it's got like loads of history. And he's awesome with that. Like, you know, in the beginning, they have these like false memories. And it's like the the torch and Bucky and Namor are all remembering. And and one of the guys with him is Major Liberty. So he's an old timely character. And, you know, he started out as like Mr. Liberty and became Major Liberty. And I was like, oh, okay, that's really cool. Like, I, I sort of love stuff like that. Like, even if even if it's like Grant Morrison's Final Crisis, where I hate the fucking story. I appreciate Final Crisis just for the fact that it got me to read Anthro comic books. And I like the Anthro comic books. So it's like it's like if if you can do something like that, even if your story totally sucks, but you make me go and look up like some cool comic I didn't realize existed, like I'll I'll probably give you like a little bit of a pass. And in this case, I I mean I did enjoy this first arc, so it's not like I'm like this story sucks, but he made me look up Major Liberty. It's like this story was cool, and as a byproduct of it, you're like, dude, Major Liberty was in like USA Comics from Timely, like that's super cool, and I love all that stuff. Um, but what I was going to ask you was, in in preparing for the Deadpool show that we did the other week, I read the Uncanny Avengers, 
and because Deadpool, I guess, is funding them and he's a member and all this other stuff. But one of the annuals that barely features him featured these two characters who I could have sworn were Golden Age characters. And it was like the Emerald Warlock. And um, I'm trying to remember what the other guy's name was. He was like a voodoo guy or whatever. And what's funny is when I looked him up, he like the 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 name of the voodoo guy was actually the name of a Native American character that was in the Marvel UK comics. So I don't know if he just mm. happened to have the same name. Like clearly the characters are unrelated, but like the Emerald Warlock is not he's basically like an original character but they they were like these mages and mystics and stuff like basically it's like it was them and like agatha harkness and they you know it's like this kind of flashback story where they get like it was back when like agatha harkness was hot because it was like world war ii or something <laughs> like that you know she wasn't like old and crusty like we know her but she's like super super hot you know back in the 40s or something she was like smoking hot and like you know basically it's like all these magic guys have to come and help you know i think it was uh like captain america there's like this great line where you know and, and, and you know even though you know stuff happens later on that i i won't spoil for anybody who doesn't know the outcome but there is this great line where they get off the plane and he's like captain america good to see you sir and of course it's crusty old foggy steve rogers super soldier and he's like well i'm not really captain america anymore and he's like y you're always going to be captain america to me dude like, you know, and I kind of went fucking a dude, like, that's how I feel. But um, but anyway, um, I, I just it was one of those things where when I looked at those characters, I was like, I was convinced they were going to be like real characters. And I was like shocked that like they weren't, you know, so it's like because most of the time when you do look up stuff like that, whether it's in, you know, Cry for Justice or Starman or, or anything he's worked on where he incorporates a lot of the larger history of the comic universe and in this case you know major liberty and um you know there, there's characters later on as we continue to go through the series but obviously like the original vision you know characters like that you're like hey these are all real you know characters who who showed up in other comics and stuff like that so i i thought it was really cool and it's not like i don't know like there, there were other series where those characters were featured but they i don't know it, it just it didn't it, this seemed to be uh, a series where it was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, he killed off that guy, but it seemed like there was some kind of respect to it, you know, that he included him with all these other greats and stuff like that. So I don't know, but I, I enjoyed it. I like that kind of thing, too. And like I, I had to look it up, too, because I wasn't sure. I was like, that name sounds familiar. But like I, I, I haven't read a lot of Golden Age Marvel timely comics, but I had to look it up, too. But like one of the things I want to say about this series that I really like is that it has such a it's like uh, it's like continuity porn or something it's like you know it seems like it's a big trend now it's like the emphasis on comics is just it's story it's like it doesn't matter if like this character's actions like don't line up with previous stories or it's like it doesn't matter if like it ignores this other story it's just like it just seems like they just want to like tell you a story inside your comic and I, I like i guess that's good but like to me like i like I like things to make sense. I like continuity to line up. I like a character's actions to be consistent, you know, unless you can explain it or recon it at some point. Um, that, that's one of the reasons I really like this series. Yeah, I noticed that, like, I, I liked all the nods to continuity. And, like, as for my part, like, I, I noticed when, like, Jim Hammond was saying, you know, he used to be part of the V Battalion and... Uh, <laughs> 
I also like in that same sentence he's like in in that like rinky dink version of the invaders that like John Walker <laughs> led, and I was like, ah, oh, that's the that's the Chuck Austin invaders, yeah. yeah so yeah, like, yeah. You, you know what I thought was great, even though they don't have these anymore. I felt like I was reading a comic where they had the editor's note that told me to go read some other story because there's there's the one scene in issue two, and they're they're talking about this device, basically the the God's Whisper. Which is basically, uh, you know, the the whole backstory is they've they've purposely forgotten this device, but that's what the Kree are after. So they're trying to pluck their repressed memories, and it turns out they, you know, they encountered this device. It was being used by Baron von Strucker to control Hela, uh, who is an Asgardian. And the end result is they decided this was too dangerous for anybody to have. They split it up into various pieces and buried it around the earth. And now basically the Kree are trying to figure out, well, where are these pieces? We want to put it back together and control, you know, as guardians, basically. And or, or you know, the gods, basically the gods whisper. And um, there's this there's this great one off reference where I think the Human Torch says, oh, yeah, and it's like that time when, like, you know, Hitler got Thor, uh, you know, in his in his clutches and, and made him attack us. And I went, when did this, you know, because I'm not, I, I've, now I've read a number of Invaders comics because I was doing all that research on, on Miss America, but I'm, I'm not very well read with Roy Thomas's Invaders. But every time I read one of them, I'm like, this is this is a fun book. Like, I like this book, you know. And um, and so I was like, when did this happen? And so I start, like, looking up. I'm like, Thor, Hitler, Marvel Comics, you know. And I'm like, okay, it's Invaders 32 and 33. And I'm like, oh, that was really fun. Because it was like, it made me, even though it didn't have the editor's note asterisk, like, you can read about this in Invaders Volume 1, issues 32 and 33. It's like, I, you know. I have the fucking internet, bitches. You know, I just <laughs> found out myself. You know, so I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, and so I, I totally, and so, you know, like, like you're talking about, like, not, not only like it, it is continuity porn, but if you, if you have the wherewithal, you can also, you know, get even more, you know, it's like you can, you can go from softcore. Uh, continuity porn to like hardcore shit and like start reading the actual stories you know and be like oh yeah you know like see see my uh, my bit of my bit of that is like later on when they introduce like ryoko or radiance and you know they they mentioned her sister was a superhero called goldfire who like died and i was like oh wait i i read that issue because it was like in citizen v and the v battalion like uh his second miniseries and like yeah i remember like goldfire and um, I forgot it was like they fought like the collective man and he had like combined he had absorbed the total like capacity of like the entire population of China. So he was like a giant and like his breath was like so powerful that he like disintegrated her by breathing on her. But yeah, like so I was like, oh, yeah, I remember when that happened. So but I mean, he even he even makes a good work at at working with he even makes a good work i don't know what i'm talking about he makes a good uh showing of of working with even like the current continuity it's not like he just points to like the good old days of stuff that he liked it's like he he works with what is going on at the time because i mean at the time 
you, you still had all this stuff that, you know, Namor was involved in the Illuminati and all this, you know, quote unquote, gray business, you know, over in Hickman's Avengers and the new Avengers and stuff like that. So, I mean, and, and it's like you can tell, like, even though Namor isn't like necessarily the most beloved character in the Marvel Universe, like they're still pushing his notion that the Avenger, the the uh, the invaders were like a band of brothers during World War Two and that, the you know, brothers will, you know, go and, and rescue their brother, you know, from from the Cree homeworld, basically, and everything. And, and you know, they, they have the, you know, the, they have flashbacks to when Namor got captured. And, you know, basically now he's being interrogated by the Cree Supreme Intelligence. And then at that point, like, Cap and Torch go to the Avengers mansion. And he refers to, he's like, well, it's been a while since I've been to Avengers mansion. And he makes this uh, offhanded whisper about like, you know, I was stuck in Dimension Z for 12 years, you know, off being Catmandy or whatever, you know. And, and so there's just like this sly nod. And, and then it turns out that Jim Hammond, because he's afraid like Jim Hammond's not going to get through the front door. But then obviously the security recognizes him as a member of Avengers West Coast, which is also sort of like a nod to the good old, you know, John Byrne run on West Coast Avengers, you know, so you're like, oh, well, you know, it's like, it's like, to me, it's like maybe Dimension Z isn't necessarily in the in the annals of classic comic books or whatever, but it's like it was current. So he, he referred to the current stuff. So, you know, but he also referred to, you know, West Coast Avengers as well, which you could conceivably view as like good old classic, you know, Jim Hammond, Human Torch stuff when, when I'm, you know, I think when all of us were reading comics as kids and stuff like that, you know. There was also, um, th there was also, it's funny, I, I don't think any of you were reading this because I think you guys all hated this title, but um, th there was also reference to um, Arcus, the, the Golden Age vision in the X-Men Legacy title, and, and Captain America has an offhanded comment about that as well. Oh, yeah, but, like, uh, you were reading that, right? Yeah. Like I, I meant, I meant to look at that story and see what was going on, but I never did read that. Yeah, I mean, it's it it was kind of you know blue cupcakey and everything, but I I liked it. I mean, it was it was kind of like Marvel's version of a Vertigo book in in my opinion. But like, yeah, there's 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 just this notion that that you know basically the the myriad of realities that Legion can perceive are going to lead to all these like negative things. So that was. That was one of those things. It's it's funny, though, like I, I thought the uh, the dialogue was interesting because I, I liked how Captain America, you know, when Robinson's writing him, he's like, yeah, Xavier's weirdo of a kid, like, you know, had something to do with that, you know, or whatever. You know, it's like it's like you could have put in an asterisk and, and referred to X-Men Legacy, you know, but I thought it was funny how like even Cap's like Xavier's kid. He's weird. Like he's, he's kind of <laughs> weird, you know, so I, that was kind of funny. But, um, but, you know, basically like, you know, and, and even Bucky, you know, he ends up finding, um, you know, the golden age vision and he's disguised as a dog and Cap is basically warning Thor about the God's whisper. And Thor tells him like, don't sweat it because now, you know, we're, we're immune to its effects. Like there's a spell and, you know, even Hela came to get the spell after she was, she was afflicted by, by Baron Von Strucker because none of them want to be in that sort of powerless position again. So Cap figures, hey, we don't got to worry about the Asgardians getting mind controlled, but we still got to save 
Namor, and his plan is, because he figures, you know, nobody's going to give us a Quinjet or a spaceship or anything like that to go do this, because this is all kind of off the books. He he figures, you know what, we're going to need the Golden Age Vision to help us. And when Bucky finds him, he's kind of concerned because he's like, oh, I don't know, Cap. I don't know if he's going to do this. And, and you know, Cap's answer uh, is basically, or maybe it was Jim Hammond that was wondering if he would do it too. But but his answer is kind of like, well, of course he's going to do it. We're all brothers. Like, you know, we were in this band of brothers, you know, and everything. So I, I have that in the back of my head. It's like, because we're brothers, you know, and we're going we're gonna to help, help each other out and everything. And, like, the way the Golden Age Vision's powers work is, I guess he can teleport them, but he needs, like, all this smoke to do it to get through all the dimensional portals and everything. So, like, Torch blows up this old Quinjet in the desert, and then there's all this smoke, and they're instantly on Hala, the Kree homeworld. But then Talnath the Pursuer is already there and waiting with all these soldiers. And then, of course, uh, Justin had sort of mentioned this, but it's it's one of these, like, surprise shock endings that you didn't see coming because cap thinks that you know oh well it's not going to work on thor and the asgardians and you know they're basically like hey you know this is all for not you stupid curry like you can't control the asgardians we just talked to them and then of course townleth is like who said i was going to control asgardians stupid heads <laughs> and of course uh you know icarus from the eternals shows up and he's of course the lead character in that series he's you know i i guess he's equivalent to like orion of the new gods he's kind of like marvel's version of orion you know and, and he's this super powerful character that's got strength and stamina and eye beams and energy blasts and all kinds of heavy shit so he's this this a-level powerhouse type guy and of course now he's coming up against you know our our heroes basically at the conclusion you're like dun 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 you know so that was that was super cool um issue 4 uh has a flashback to the super access and you know what sexy evil sentai lady is in the super access it's lady lotus <laughs> she's super hot so she's there uh and then i had to look up some of these guys some of them i knew i knew who you man was I knew who Warrior Woman was. Uh, Agent Access is like kind of like the Phantom Stranger, but like he's an evil Nazi because um, he's like a Nazi in a trench coat or whatever. Um, and then there were some other characters who I weren't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure who they were. Um, and then when I looked them up, I, they were kind of familiar to me. Uh, there's a character called the Scarlet Scarab. And then this guy I had to look up because I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, and it was the Teutonic Knight. But those are basically the members of the Super Access that are being led by Masterman in this flashback to 1944. And in, in that flashback, they basically have the invaders dead to rights. But then Namor shows up with Giganto, that huge uh, you know, whale monster or whatever. And he's got like all this army of sea monsters and everything. So that's like kind of a cool flashback, like showing the awesomeness that is, you know, Namor, uh, you know, tougher than a whale. He can swim anywhere yada 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 go flying through the air um and so like yeah so he's pretty awesome in that um and then and then in the present you know it's like you know there's still this ongoing battle between icarus who's basically under the control of the god whisper and uh they they end up having the invaders brought before the supreme intelligence and then at that point there there's a direct reference to like oh you know ronin wouldn't stand for this like you know like where where's ronin and like oh he's in He's in outer space doing other stuff. We sent him away. We didn't want there to be any 
conflict of interest. You know, I'm the supreme intelligence. I'm super smart. I knew that you guys were like, you know, buddies in the infinity event. So I sent him off to do some other stuff so that this wouldn't come up. And then shock of shocks, uh, Bucky gets killed during this uh, talk. And then uh, Namor, Cap, and Torch are fighting with Akaris. But Bucky's not really dead. It's all part of Cap's super secret prep time plan. And him and, and uh, the Golden Age Vision are going to go find the God Whisperer and everything like that. Because it was just a, you know, it was like a simulated death. He ingested like this, this what they describe as like a Hulk deterrent pill. But I guess when normal people take a Hulk deterrent pill... It's like they die for a few minutes or at least, you know, appear to be in the state of death. Um, and then I think I, I don't know if you like this or not, Justin, but like my favorite moment in, in the fifth issue was where he's like, look, we've got to go, you know, have you teleport around the base and, you know, we need to find the God Whisperer and everything. And then the Golden Age vision is like, there are many roads to what the heart wants. And he just like stops and then he looks at him and he's like, God, you're weird. <laughs> you know, like, so I thought that was kind of funny. Like, I liked, I, I liked Bucky in this. He was, he was cool. Like, I enjoyed him. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, like, Cap knew he wasn't dead because he didn't see a videotape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say, like, uh, Bucky in this series, he kind of reminds me of, like, Dick Grayson's Nightwing for some reason. I don't know why. I got your back, Cap! Bucky, I told you! Yeah, that- I know! We're partners, right? Let's finish this. Yeah, like he had the shorter haircut, and he like he definitely like looked a little like younger. Like I guess he was kind of drawn without his usual like you know long hair or whatever. So yeah, and I guess I guess like the secret, the other secret, super secret plan of Captain America, where the Supreme Intelligence is like, so what are you gonna do to us? Like if your plan is so great. Like, it looks like you haven't been doing anything. And it turns out he was having the Human Torch do, like, this Nova Blast of radiation that takes out all the Kree troops. And um, this is the point where Mike had brought up the fact that, you know, Cap flings his shield and it's got this, like, super Tony Stark virus and basically shuts him down, kind of like Tron, like, throwing his disc at the MCP or whatever. Then at that point, the Supreme Intelligence is just like, does not compute, like, I'm fucked or whatever, which, of course, is completely counter to the, to the. I guess he's all on board now that he's got the, the virus on his shield or whatever, but, you know, he's, he's all on board. I, I thought there was a cool line from Namor, because he's talking about how his pride and arrogance, you know, probably got them in this situation and everything like that. And as he's fighting, like, there's this great line where he's like, I could swear I'd never be prideful again, but I'd be lying, you know. <laughs> and he's like, but I'll, I'll obviously I will continue to fight you guys. But, you know, it's like one of those things where you're like, I swear I'll never do this again if I ever get out of this. But I'm full of shit. I'm totally going to do it again. You know, like, so I, I, I kind of like that. That At least he's honest. He knows himself and everything like that. And then, uh, you know, basically the, the first five issues sort of concludes the arc. You know, they, they stop the Supreme Intelligence. They take out all the Kree troops and all that other kind of stuff. And it turns out the Golden Age Vision and Makari, who is basically like an eternal speedster, he's kind of like the you know, the Quicksilver, the Flash of the Eternals. He He's able to find all the pieces, recover the God's Whisper, and they end up stopping Icarus, uh, Icarus. Um, and so he's sort of like, you know, got him, you know, 
uh, at his side now and everything like that. And at that point, it's kind of like what Justin mentioned. You know, Jim Hammond is now joining S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, because Captain America is kind of making this request for him to get back into the world and step up. And it's like, be a man, you know, like get get on the team and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, there's an epilogue, which, of course, is never followed up on because they canceled the series or, or ended it way too quickly. But there is this epilogue where the Eternals and the Golden Age Vision actually turn out to be using the God's Whisper on Galactus in the negative zone. Um, so there's that. Um, six and seven are original sin tie-in issues where basically it was a big event where the, the Watcher basically got shot in the head. And then after that, everybody started remembering, like, you know, Tony Stark stole Bruce Banner's burrito or something back before the, the test bomb. <laughs> you know, there was all these like, awful evil secrets that were being revealed around the Marvel Universe. And um, in, in the original Sin tie-in issues, we're introduced to uh, Supreme Radiant Friend, also known as Radiance, who is uh, a haughty uh, Japanese lady who, I guess, essentially has the powers of of Captain Mar well, I, I don't know what the uh, what Monica Rambeau, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, I was going to say Captain Marvel, but I know that's probably not. Uh, right. She goes by Spectrum. Spectrum. Now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. So, but yeah, Monica Rambeau uh, kind of power set. You know, she's got like these these light energies. She can make like shields. She can you know, blow up shit. You know, she. You know, I I like the character. I mean, I I think she's cute. I'm I'm happy that that uh, Jim Hammond kind of has a cute girlfriend or whatever, you know, that digs them and stuff like that. So that, I mean, obviously that's not what those issues were about. I mean, there's some tension over the whole atomic bomb thing again. So if this, that's one of your, uh, if, if, if that topic is, is one of your sensitive points, you know, like the, the, the story deals with that in, in sort of detail. There's, there's like flashbacks to the, the kid commandos, which her grandmother was a part of and, and they kind of get into it with the invaders. And it's funny, like they, they kind of insinuate that, you know, the, the powers of Spitfire, Namor, um, sending tidal waves at boats and ships and, and Jim Hammond is the human torch. Like all those powers combined somehow influenced the decision to use the atomic bomb. And there's some storyline, you know, in those issues where, uh, it looks like her grandmother was fighting against having them use this alternative method other than the atomic bomb. Um, but that alternative method would have killed a lot of local islanders that were around Japan. And so they they sort of all well, I guess eventually, the, you know, it's kind of like that whole superhero misunderstanding thing. They fight and then they all realize, oh, wait, there, you know, she's right. Like there are all these innocent people that we would flood if we did it this way. So they decide not to having no idea that the next step was to drop the atomic bomb. And, you know, there's all this kind of speculation about what would have happened if Steve Rogers was still alive and this and that and the other thing. But, you know, ultimately, I mean, there's not, I don't, I don't know. I like, I know you enjoyed this book, Justin, and you were reading it from month to month. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't think the tie in really, ruined anything um like i feel like he would have gone in this direction anyway but he just kind of used the revelation as the the tie-in point and stuff like that but i i felt like kind of after the first five issues like some of the stuff sort of got away from the original concept just because of all the stuff that was going on with like namor and captain america and other books but i'm kind of curious what you 
you know, how you felt about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. And, like, to be perfectly honest, like, I wasn't crazy about Original Sin. I especially wasn't crazy about the tie-ins because they were all, like, a huge fake-out. Like, especially, like, you know, like, oh, Tony Stark stubbed, like, Bruce Banner's toe or, you know, it's like, oh, not really. And it's like, oh, like, Jim Hammond could have stopped the atomic bomb. Uh, no, not really. But, but like, that's basically all those stories were, and I didn't, I didn't care for any of them. You're like, Jim Hammond could have sent Cap a videotape of Hitler dying. <laughs> no, not really. You know. Like, and, of course, uh, Spider-Man's big revelation was like, holy shit, there's this hot Asian chick in a bunker somewhere. Let's go, <laughs> let's go check that out. <laughs> wow, you think, you think Gradients is cool? Uh, Silk is, is even awesomer. But, like, I, I do kind of wonder if, if the book would have changed drastically had, uh, you know, Steve remained as Captain America. Because, like, even though they brought Sam over as Cap, like, he didn't really, I don't know if it was because the series ended or what, but, like, he didn't really have much of an impact on the book. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird because after that, like, they tried to play more with the idea of Jim Hammond being an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, you know, at this point, I guess, you know, TV superstar Agent Coulson makes an appearance and everything. And, you know, apparently he wanted to thank Jim Hammond for saving his grandfather. So I figured that makes... And he's like, by the way, if you don't watch my TV show, you're an idiot. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're super lame if you don't watch my TV show. I, I was about to say, I think it's all Jim Hammond's fault that we even have an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series. If he just hadn't saved his grandfather from German soldiers... <laughs> we wouldn't be watching this boring ass shit right now. It's interesting too because you you start to see the uh, the whole uh, I, I want to say like the whole Fox uh, Marvel Studios feud even come into this title because you've got the introduction to you know uh, you know Namor basically takes a break from Illuminati business to help Jim Hammond locate Toro. Um, Toro's been kidnapped by AIM. But it turns out, you know, even though for years and years, you know, they've been saying that Toro's flame powers were uh, a mutant ability. Now they're they're saying that it's actually an inhuman ability in this. I think this is the first time that was ever mentioned. Yeah. This would be a good point for Mike to say, fooled you as only he can. Fooled you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you're totally fooled. Um, I always thought that was weird anyway. Like, they keep, they keep playing around with Toro, and it's, I mean, he's kind of, I don't want to say he's a minor character, but, he's, you know, he's kind of like, he's just like a sidekick. And, you know, you've already got two flame guys anyway with the, the two torches, and it's like, oh, well, we're going to bring him back, and we're going to bring him back to life, and he's going to be a mutant. And then we're not going to do anything with him until this series. <laughs> so I'm like, well, like. What happened? Like, did you have plans that didn't come to fruition? Like, did yeah, you just yeah. be like, all right, well, he's a mutant now. And, like, I kept waiting for him to show up in some X-Men book. I'm like, I was like, that would be interesting. Like, you know, he, he's kind of like Cap. He would be like a he would be like a younger person out of time mixed in with all these X-Men. And, they're to, you know, they're totally not going to be like his speed. You know, he's going to be an outsider among a group that's already like a group of outsiders. But, like, that never happened. It's just... They keep doing these things with him, and I, I don't understand. Toro's just pissed because nobody ever invited him to Utopia, but <laughs> but Medusa was always sending out invites to Atlan, so then he was all on board for that shit eventually. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you know, at, at this point, like, then it, it involves, like, you know, event, uh, invaders versus, like, deathlocks from all these different timelines and stuff like that. And and by this point, like, basically, Namor is, is really in the shithouse with Cap because he now knows he was part of the whole Illuminati mind wipe. So it kind of made me question even the first six, five issues, because it's like, what would Cap have done in those first five issues had he known about the mind wipe back then it's like it's by the grace of uh the marvel comics gods that he you know that that he didn't know at the time so he could go get saved or whatever but at this point it's like they're they're you know they're they're yelling at each other and all this kind of stuff and then robinson is starting to lay the groundwork because the, the bad guy in that arc was a German guy, or supposedly a German guy, who was, you know, sending all these Deathlocks after them and everything, named Kurt Dagmar, and he ends up turning out to be a Martian. So then, you know, and then by the 10th issue, you're introduced to, uh, you know, well, you, you, you go to a flashback where Namor is testifying for the trial of Iron Cross, who's one of their, you know, invaders, uh, nemesises, nemeses. Um, but it turns out there is a, a girl legacy character that is also an in, in, inhuman. And I guess she, she, you know, I guess Iron Cross was like an armored character, kind of like a, uh, German Iron Man for lack of a better term. And I guess as she was flying around in her armor, that's when the, uh, what the hell did they call it when the Terrigen mists, like, was it called like I day or something like what, whatever day it was when the Terrigen mists like affected all these people on earth, you know, uh, it, it affected her. And I guess the idea was whatever she was touching at the time, she would sort of merge with. So they were saying if she had been like, I don't know, laying in a field of grass, she would have been like a plant person. And if she was like, I don't know, I don't know, eating a hamburger, she'd be a cow person or, you know, wh whatever <laughs> it is, like, like some, something like that would have happened. Right. And, and so, so in this case, she was actually touching her armor because she was wearing the armor. So she kind of becomes, I, I don't know, she kind of looks, she kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Natasha Irons from uh, the, the Superman books, like the, the niece of um, Steel. Like she, she kind of has like the, I mean, she's, she's supposed to be like a, a an African-American German girl. I, I don't know how that works, but I guess that's how, how it works. And, um, and then she also, uh, you know, has like all these kind of mechanical, you know, abilities and parts and, and stuff, I guess. Like it, it's, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's a cool looking character. Like she kind of looks like, like I said, either uh, Natasha Irons or I, I kind of thought a little bit of the engineer from the authority. Like she, she kind of has a vibe of a character like that, like a, a technologically, you know, enhanced character or something like that. So um, but they, they were laying the groundwork for, I guess, a Martian invasion and, and, you know, they, they had like the Martians attacking London and, you know, this is like, kind of like the, uh, whole war of the worlds style Martians. Cause it ties into the whole kill Raven thing. And, you know, you end on like a crazy kill Raven in an asylum. I mean, you know, by this point, I, I feel like, I mean, like I said, I, I, I can talk about the different issues, but I feel like it sort of fell apart at this point because like, by by that point it was like, you could tell he's having a tough time keeping up with all the different changes because by the 11th issue, you had old geezer cap 
you know, because he's he no longer has a super soldier serum. Like Cap's an old fogey. Everybody's still even more pissed off at Namor for all the stuff that's going down. And then they had this weird flashback issue with the War of the Worlds, which I, to be honest, I mean, other than Union Jack, I felt like it didn't have anything to do with the invaders, but was sort of, you know, it was kind of setting up the whole you know, Martian storyline that he was leading into that he never got to tell, you know, it's like more teases for, for Killer Raven basically and stuff like that. I mean, was that, was that something you were excited about, Justin? I mean, I know you mentioned it. Like, I mean, I, I did Killer Raven, but it seemed like there was a lot of cock tease for no, you know, a lot of foreplay <laughs> with, with no, uh, no doing the, doing the actual business, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I do like Killer Raven, so I was excited to see him in the Martians and like what they would do with that. But, like, I was really excited for Spitfire, Union Jack, and the Destroyer to come in because, you know, like, they they were big in the 70s Invaders series yeah, that I yeah. like. So I was like, I guess, I know, in my head, like, if the series would have continued, like, these two teams would have came together and, like, you know, those British characters would have rejoined the Invaders. And... Oh, okay, sort of make, like, an extended team. So other than the, the four American guys we know, like, have Union Jack and Spitfire and the Destroyer, like, you know, make it like a seven team you know seven member team like extended team and type thing that that might have worked better if if especially if they kept running into problems where it's like oh i'm sorry we've you know we've decapitated namor you know like or or, i'm sorry we've you know captain america's too old to come out and play you know like you could use you know some of those characters in their stead hopefully maybe you know and um i don't know if you looked it up but like in that 1917 flashback with the martians attacking london like those characters, they're not Golden Age characters, but I think they were in a, an old issue of the Invaders, the first volume. Oh, okay. Like, I I, I sort of skimmed over that issue. Uh, you know, I didn't read it in great detail. I recognized the Iron Fist because I think that was from, I want to say it was like Brubaker's yeah. run. You know, like I recognized him. And then, and then I saw that there were, you know, some of those other characters besides Union Jack. And so I, I assume some of them were you know, legitimate and stuff like that. So I think you're just confirming it, but I didn't, at that point I wasn't taking like copious notes and like looking up stuff or anything. I was kind of like, okay, I'm like, I like, I got to finish this shit. <laughs> so I was kind of like reading it um, quickly or whatever, but, um, and, th- and then like 13 was a good issue. Like it had Talneth, the pursuer and then Makari from the, uh, the Eternals. But like, at that point I'm like, man, like, he had to do a whole issue where he didn't focus on the invaders at all. Like, and I'm just kind of like, that must be a bummer. You know, it's like, I I don't know. Like, it's like, it just felt like the continuity stuff got so, you know, like the current continuity stuff got so restrictive that it's like, it's like you can't even do an invaders book with the invaders. You know what I mean? Like that, that kind of sucks. And then it's funny. I don't think uh, Mike got this far into the run, but there's actually a reference to the current new warriors book. You know, the one with uh, Scarlet spider and Nova and all those guys, because they, they're talking about, you know, basically the, uh, I think they were talking about like the eternals and, and different things like that. Like that. They, yeah. They, had, they were allied with the high evolutionary. Yeah. Or something, so it's like, or... uh, like he was basically kind of, I, I don't know if he was mocking that, but he was kind of just basically going, Oh, you know, like, like not all of that is totally, you know, on board with what I'm doing, you know, kind of commentary, you know? So, 
But then I guess, I mean, it, it kind of wraps up with the last two issues, which they refer to as like the return of Toro, um, which I liked. I mean, I, I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, of course, those issues feature Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV superstar Lash, <laughs> who we all know and love. Uh, they, they feature him. I I have to admit, when the actual Inhumans showed up, I barely recognized them. Like, it's been that long since I've kind of delved into Inhumans. Like, I mean, I, I knew it was Medusa because she had red hair, but I was like, these are the Inhumans, really? Like, they looked like, you know, obviously, like, they had a bunch of super cool, awesome new costume designs or whatever, and I was like, I don't recognize any of these. So it's like if they ever made, like, action figures of those guys, I would have been like, well, who are those guys? You know, kind of thing or whatever. But um, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, my favorite parts about it were uh, the well, I mean, I, I it kind of spoils the ending, I suppose. But I mean, you know, it, it's like basically a lot of stuff ends pretty happily for Jim Hammond, which I was telling Mike, I thought was like a nice thing, you know, given you know, that maybe, you know, things didn't always end happily for him. It's like either he was dead, he exploded, or he was mind-controlled or whatever, you know? So it's, like, nice. It's like, oh, cool. He's got, like, you know, kind of like a nice, steady girlfriend. You know, Namor and old fogey cap are there giving him shit about not hitting it yet or whatever, I suppose. And, uh, you know, like, he's he, he seems to be pretty happy about that. There's also this kind of scene where you realize that speedball's cat is still in the custody of shield and they're gonna like euthanize the cat and it's kind of great that you're like in the back of your head you're like well why don't you just take them jim like why, why do they have to euthanize like you know neil's the bouncing cat like that's ridiculous like somebody needs to save <laughs> that cat and of course by the end of it it's like you can see his room's all wrecked because neil's the bouncing cat you know bounces all over his room and wrecks everything and he's like look I know you're not used to, you know, you're now you're out of a cage and you're a little freaked out, but he's like, you got to stop wrecking my shit. And, and he's like, I'll heat myself up a little bit, you know, so that you're warm and stuff. And then the cat's just got this like, you know, nice look on his face. Like it's nice and warm and comfy. And he's, he's, you know, in his bed with the cat, you know, and they're hanging out together and everything like that. And it was just kind of like a nice, you know, sweet way to end things. It's, it's weird though, because when, when Cap, Namor, and uh, Jim Hammond are having the sort of, you know, last issue conversation, for lack of a better term, it totally reminded me of the end of Robinson's last Justice League of America arc before they started the New 52. Oh, where, yeah. And the last issue is like, hey, guess what, guys? I was going to do this arc with Jim and this arc and this arc. And there's going to be some really cool stuff with this arc. And it was going to be tits awesome. And, like, you would have loved to see it. But unfortunately, they're scrapping all this. This book's ending. And they're doing a New 52 book. So I can't do all these stories. So take care, guys. Bye-bye. You know, and it was like, this issue was kind of the same way, where it was like, dude, remember that Galactus shit we teased? Like, that could still happen at any moment, even though it's not going to happen. And remember, like, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, it was like, remember this ongoing thing with the Martians and Killraven? Like, at any minute, you know, Martian war could break out, but it's not going to, because I'm not writing this book anymore. You know, so I sort of, you know, it's kind of like that whole bittersweet thing where but it's interesting how he just says fuck it i'm just gonna cram in all this stuff like you think some guys would be like i'm gonna save that shit for later but he's he's like fuck it i i he, it seems like he just figures i'm not gonna get this chance again so i'll just 
lay it all out there or something. But anyway, I, I, I enjoyed reading the book. I'm glad you asked us to do it. I, to be honest, like I wasn't reading it on a monthly basis. I sort of put off reading it because I thought maybe we were going to discuss it on the show. Um, eventually I read a number of issues of it. I think I got up to like issue eight or nine or so. And then I caught up on the rest to, to bring us to issue 15 uh, for the show today. But I, you know, for the most part, I enjoyed reading it. I do kind of think it sort of fell apart after the initial arc, just because for, you know, whatever ridiculous reason, it's like you can't really use Captain America. You know what I mean? Like, or, or you know, I don't know. It just, it just felt strange that, like, you know, Captain America was always coming late to the party. And then it's it's kind of like that idea of, I'm writing a Justice League book. Awesome. All right, who's the Justice League? It's like Superman, Batman you know, Wonder Woman. Yeah. And then it's like five issues later, who's the Justice League? It's like, well, Batman and Wonder Woman could make it, but like Superman was like totally busy. Okay. What what happens in the next issue? Like Superman's an old man and, and Batman is Dick Grayson <laughs> and uh, Wonder Woman, uh, Wonder Woman hates all you guys and she's never coming back. It's like, oh, did, okay. Like, well, did, did, did they address that? Like Bucky's like off in space or something after original sin? Mm, I don't think so. No, I don't think they ever address that. No. Yeah, because I thought that, that he was out in space for a while, like after that. But yeah, I, I mean, maybe that was just too much. Where I was like, man, I've been trying to be good with all this. I made Cap old. Let me have Bucky. You know, like, come on. He was like, oh, he was he was hanging out with the uh, Colson. Must have told him like, hang out with my pal Daisy here. She's cool. And if you don't like her, you're an idiot. <laughs> You're a moron. If you don't like your new haircut, you're you're dumb. But yeah, do you guys have any like final wrapping up thoughts as far as all new invaders goes? Yeah, like you know, people always say Marvel and DC like always like crib from each other, but like when it comes to like their Golden Age characters, like well, I guess not anymore. Like DC was usually really good to their Golden Age characters. Like you know, they were either they were still alive and raring to go, like Jake Eric and Alan Scott. <clears throat> Or, you know, you, you would have them as a legacy character and, you know, you had Justice Society, which ran for, you know, for a very long time. But Marvel, you know, aside from Cap and I guess maybe Namor, like they don't really do a lot with their Golden Age characters. You know, like, you know, Jim Hammond, like I said, he's died and came back so many times. It's crazy. And they, they just can't, like, keep, uh, you know, any kind of book like Invaders published in this current time, it seems like. And I think that's kind of sad. Like Marvel can't support it, or they won't take a chance on it. It seems. I, I feel like part of the problem is, and and I think the reason why the first arc worked so well is that Invaders is strictly speaking a wartime comic, and in that first arc, the wartime was with the Kree, and you know, in let's say the currently politically correct climate. I think that's the easiest thing to do. A bunch of blue-skinned guys, it's okay to be at war with them. But then as you get further into the arc, you start talking about old wartime stuff, which at the time was probably fine, but now it's like you get into all these weird situations where it could be a button pusher for you know whoever reads it. You're talking about Nagasaki and Hiroshima and the, the atomic bomb and all this kind of stuff. And while that can be interesting tv viewing or reading or history for people like there's that aspect to it where you know it's it's not it's something that that probably 
isn't necessarily relevant to a certain readership today. And then as you continue to go on, the only people they felt comfortable having the invaders fight were these neo-Nazis that turned out to be inhumans. You know, so it's like, I, I don't know, like, it, it just seems like, you know, there, there could have been people that they could have taken to task, but it's like, well, are you going to see the invaders go to North Korea? No. Are you going to see the invaders go to Afghanistan? No. So it's like, well, then, you know, part of you sitting there going, well, what, what the fuck's the point then? The invaders don't invade anything, you know, like, and you're just kind of like, oh, well, you know what? I'm glad Jim Hammond's happy. I'm glad he's got a cat and a, and a cutie patootie Japanese girlfriend. But if, if shit doesn't go down, you know, then it's kind of like, OK, well, you know, you, you either have to go back to, you know, outer space and then you're comfortable with people invading things or, you know, you, you, all you can deal with is whatever the current, you know, regime that's in charge of the comics feels comfortable addressing as far as who are, quote unquote, bad you know, human beings, you know, and, and from now from now on will be the stay at homers. Never again. Never <laughs> again. I really wish that like when they do this new like cap relaunch and Steve is cap again, I really wish they could do a variant cover like Alex Ross painted words like Steve as cap is like punching Kim Jong un in the face or something. Like I think that would be awesome. <laughs> but but you'll never see it. I just want Steve Rogers to have his own fucking shield back, but you know, even that, I don't know that I'm going to get for a while. So, but, uh, yeah. So, so I don't know. Any, any last thoughts, Mike, or should we, should we go on to awesome thing of the week? It's, it's not exactly my cup of tea, but you know, I enjoyed reading it and like, you know, uh, I appreciate anything that like this much effort goes into in, in terms of continuity and like you said, like consistent art too. Like yeah, that was yeah, definitely, nice. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think those are big marks in its favor, you know, the, the, the same writer art team and, and the fact that you can tell as Justin's saying, he really loves and and finds these golden age characters endearing and and wanting to make legacy characters to to honor those characters and stuff like that so i i mean i i i also liked yeah like i think you mentioned it like namor's kind of sentiment like where namor was kind of like you know this is like simple shit like i don't have to be burdened by my conscience or whatever you know like they're the bad guys we're the good guys like you yeah. know he doesn't i like have to that stuff. any planets or anything yeah, yeah exactly yeah, there's, yep. no, there's no gray crap going on and people aren't acting like morons yeah i completely understand there's an alien computer upstairs called the supreme intelligence this thing runs the kree empire we take it down and we may have a shot at ending the Kree threat to Earth for good. All right, so I think that wraps up our discussion on Captain America's 75th anniversary and the all-new, all-different Invaders. We hope you've enjoyed listening to those discussions. But we are going to move on to our regularly scheduled segment of the week, which is what is awesome in your world this week. And that's where, if you've never listened to the show before, where we normally talk about something that is super cool, super awesome in our week. It could be a book, it could be a toy, it could be a comic book, it could be a new film we've seen or a TV show or anything like that, you know, in the world of pop culture or whatever. So we usually like to, you know, share with ourselves and our listeners. And I'm going to go ahead and start with Mr. Mike because I see a avatar 
that is telling me that Captain America is dead and never again will he mock the Hydra power vest. So tell me what your awesome thing of the week is if it's not the Hydra power vest. Don't mock the Hydra power vest. I will go with a comic book, uh, Street Fighter Unlimited. Uh, finally, finally, like, Udon has started up another Street Fighter-like comic again. And uh, I, I feel like it's, like, once every, like, two or three years now. It's like they get it, like, off their asses and do it. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of... I'm kind of heartbroken that Street Fighter V is going to be a like PlayStation 4 exclusive, so and I don't plan on getting a PlayStation 4 at this time, so uh, I'm not going to be able to play it. So like I got to get my Street Fighter fixed somewhere, and you know, thankfully the comic is still like in the same continuity as their previous comics, and it follows up from like those nice hard covers they released like the a year or two ago, so. You know, it's nice to have the same like ongoing story still, and you know, it's it's cool. It's my it's 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 my fix for Street Fighter at this time. So like I, I'm enjoying it. Cool, very cool. So how about you, Justin? What's your awesome thing of the week? I've got two things. Uh, one is uh, I watched the film uh, Space Battleship Yamato 2199 movie, uh, Odyssey of the Celestial Art. Um, I really liked it. Like I really liked the reimagining of the series, and this film kind of takes place like after they sealed up the wave motion gun, but before they returned to Earth. And I really liked it, but it, it I don't know if you guys have seen it. It got kind of like weird and slow in the middle when they were trapped in that hotel. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of. I was like, it, it reminded me of the Cowboy Bebop movie, kind of where it's like yeah. it takes it takes place like after a majority of the series but like before any of the stuff of consequence happens at the yeah. very end basically so yeah but like I, I really enjoyed it and the, the animation was really great so i'm glad i watched it the other thing is uh i recently w- was playing the rpg eternal sonata for the 360 and uh that's a really great uh rpg it's it's kind of hard to like give you a synopsis of the story, but basically, like the composer Chopin is dying, and everything that happens in the game is like a dream he's having while he's dying. Um, and Chopin himself is a playable character in the game, and he's always questioning, like, you know, is this real? Like, I think you guys are just like figments of my imagination. So it's it's kind of weird, and it also like the game will kind of like take a break and give you the real history of Chopin, like it'll play some of his music and it'll show like pictures of Poland and places where he lived and, you know, give you kind of a brief uh, history of his life, which I thought was really interesting. Like I've never seen a game basically like stop its cutscene and be like, well, here's some real history for you. And then continue with the cutscene. Like, I was like, this is kind of weird. That, that's a really that's, great. That's pretty cool. I think, <laughs> I think, I think my mom would have liked that. Like she was always, you know, it, basically anybody who was of consequence that was Polish, it was always like the Pope, like Chopin, like whoever, you know, she was always kind of on about that. So she probably would have dug that. But uh, it was a really great game. And like, it, I guess the only thing I would say was like, it wasn't that challenging. I don't know. Maybe I spent too much time like grinding and leveling up. But like there were only like two, three bosses that I really struggled with. But like it. It's a really great game. So if like if you want a good, you know, JRPG and you have like 40, 40 some hours to kill, like I really recommend Eternal Sonata. Cool, cool. That sounds awesome. I am giving you guys some uh, visual 
information here but before i do my awesome thing of the week but uh my awesome thing of the week basically is i was actually able to find some stuff in store um and one of the things i found is one of those old guardians i found a marvel universe infinites uh three and three quarters legends whatever the fuck they're calling them these days uh yondu from the guardians of the galaxy and i figured you know I better put my money where my mouth is when it comes to the old Guardians. So even though I'm not really a collector of that scale, I figured, you know what? I I'd get the Vance Astro and the Yondu when they come out, and I saw the Yondu. Um, I'm happy to see that that Yondu can hold his bow and arrow because he... Hawkeye fucking can't. <laughs> well, technically speaking, he can't. I I heated up his hand and I took a knife to it so he could. So, oh, okay. So, so that was my. Yeah. I, I tweaked that myself. I mean, otherwise he he couldn't do that. So I imagine it's. I imagine the figure itself is actually similar to that Hawkeye. You know, I mean, it's it's probably the same accessories remote. Yeah, I think it's the exact same yeah. accessories. So. so. So yeah. So, but I mean, it's it's okay for what it is. I suppose I didn't I didn't have to pay like sixteen ninety nine or what uh, whatever ungodly price they wanted from Big Bad Toy Store. It was uh it's still probably too expensive, but it was like twelve ninety nine at Toys R Us. So I was like, you know what? I, I it was the only one there and I was like, because I, I think who I saw was um was Ulick or who you know, whoever was part of that new wave. I saw one of them and I was like, oh, I wonder if oh no 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 it was it was um it was the inhuman guy. What's his name? The green guy? The the fish guy? Why Triton? Triton. Yeah, he was he was there and I was like I was like, "Oh, well, if he's here, maybe there, you know, maybe Yondu's around." And then I did find him, so I was like, "Okay, cool." Um and then and then also in those uh pictures, um there was a sale on like a two-pack of uh wrestling figures. They were some kind of uh I, I don't know. I guess I, I imagine they're like um, I don't know. Maybe Justin could could answer it, but but they were they it se- seemed like they were bodyguards of some kind. You know, they had like little earpieces and they're in suits and everything. So I imagine there's some kind of security or protection at like you know WWE events or something like that. But since it was on sale and it was a two pack of suited guys, I figured maybe it might look cool to put the hammerhead on a on a bigger kind of beefier body or whatever and like the head's not an exact fit but you know what i mean it was it was on sale so i grabbed it and kind of you know did some boil and pop type stuff and you know i I suppose if i put some some uh sculpty or you know something to to make the head go on you know and and stay a little bit more because the the peg for the marvel legends hammerhead head is a little too big for the um the peg on the wrestling figure so i'll just have to make that a little thicker but it, it looks okay i mean you know i don't know what you guys think of it but it's like those were kind of my my scores for for this week so i just thought i'd share with everybody yeah that's pretty cool cool all right I'd better, better better than better than better uh that hammerhead have like a too big for his head body than a skinny like you know Hammerhead hasn't been eating enough by Right, right, exactly, exactly. All right, well, um, we hope you guys have enjoyed uh, listening to our pontifications on this show. You can reach us if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. 
You can see us on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We're on Podbean. We're on Stitcher Radio, where you can stream us. We have all kinds of cool social medias. Of course, we appreciate all the likes and feedbacks on the proper show. We also have our spinoff shows, Transformers Tuesdays, Toku Thursdays, Mobile Suit Mondays, and Sentai Saturdays. So we appreciate all the likes and feedbacks on those shows, as well as the proper shows. Thanks so much for listening, and until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, you will be the one escaping, signing off. Hey, it's Mike, and I'm going to spontaneously combust on a videotape. Can you send it to me, please? (laughs) Yes, just for proof, yes. Thank you. Hey, this is Justin. Peace! Only one of us is walking out of here, and Mr. It Won't Be Me... In the can. Another one in the can. Or at least uh, um, recorded. Um, another one in the can.